in a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend. This is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. Greetings, lookers. Welcome to another edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at RedHenMedia1. Look for that red hen icon. And today we'll be discussing All Through the House 2016, which is a horror feature film, and it's currently streaming on Amazon Prime. That's right. And uh, I'm here with my distinguished co-hosts who are likely talking behind my back. So let's join their conversation already in progress. Hi, gang. Hello. Hey. Hi. Howdy. Good to see you. Uh, she's simultaneously credible and incredible, the anomaly, Kat Ramirez. Hi, y'all. Just like I'm always real with my friends and family, I'll always keep it real with y'all, too. As always, grateful to be here. Grateful to have you. And the provocative one and current Who Dundee Award winner and reigning champion, Mr. Devin Schwartz. The game is most certainly on. I totally believe you, dude. And my good friend, the incendiary James Pepe. Hey everyone, it's it's me. Uh, I was, you know, I had a thought. I was wondering about this movie. You know how sometimes they make movies where they like have a location for a for a couple of days and like, oh, we'll just use it to make a movie. I thought that I thought that in this case they might have had a bunch of like tiny prosthetic dicks and they were just like, we got them for a day, so we got to make a movie where <laughs> they get chopped up. <laughs> oh, they sent us the wrong order. And I look at these and I say, what can I use you for? Right. <laughs> a bunch of half dicks we got to put them to use because they're gonna that's right we're gonna get repossessed in two never days never waste so. them yeah <laughs> and with that we have the irrepressible gentleman jim scott welcome gentle listeners and friends yeah i I would wonder like the people that hey you only got them for a day we need them now what's their purpose in you know (laughs) a whole nother movie of content there (laughs) perhaps with a different rating but uh (laughs) Hey Jim, can I get a um? Hi, hi. I need a rundown of your clients. Can you get that to me? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Our boss Charles Miner just demanded a rundown, and Jim from the office just handed the dossier to me. So let's see what I've got for us on all through the house. 
So uh, the tagline is, there is a creature stirring, which I thought was pretty good. It's a horror genre. For some reason, it got a TV rating of M.A. instead of a movie rating. I'm not sure if that had to do with how Amazon bought the distribution rights like right off the bat or something, um, but I thought that was a little odd. Uh, it garnered a whopping 38% audience rating uh, and no critical ratings, as in zero critics reviewed this one. Um, wow, how could that be? How did this, how did this slide under the radar of all movie no, critics? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A quote from the director was their loss, probably. I don't know. I made that Yeah, up. seriously. But uh, he's, yeah, he's a little bitter about that. Um, apparently, this was set in Napa, which is a neighboring county to ours. Uh, we have the better county, but they uh, really? did this movie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll give you the storyline. All Through the House is an 80s-style slasher film featuring a deranged Santa slayer who rips through the town of Napa, California for some yuletide terror. Fifteen years ago, a peaceful Christmas neighborhood was engulfed by fear when a five-year-old Jamie Garrett was mysteriously taken from her bedroom, never to be seen again. Now, on Christmas break, Rachel Kimmel comes home from college to find her neighborhood struck again by a reign of terror. A violent killer is hiding behind a grisly Santa mask, leaving a bloody trail of slaughtered women and castrated men to the steps of the Garrett house. Rachel finds herself in a horrifying nightmare as she discovers the twisted secret behind the mask. Director Todd Noons, uh, writer Todd Noons, the star is Ashley Mary Noons, which is what, his sister, his girlfriend, his wife's? Something like that. Uh, his sister. I guess not girlfriend. His sister. Okay, you look, okay, <clears throat> cool. Thanks, Jim. Uh, and then Jessica Cameron and Melinda, I'm not saying this right, probably Kiering, Kiring, uh, who is the real actor, apparently, um, at least by my estimation. Uh, Todd Noons is also known for Scary Larry, Here Comes Santa, and the forthcoming Death Ward 13, which features a picture of a busty nurse surrounded by grabby hands. Um, which I took to be like psych ward zombies, but uh, who knows? Uh, and who cares? Uh, <laughs> no, it's probably going to be great, just like this one. Um, the uh, trivia for you: the bulk of this film was shot in July. Uh, the majority of the film was shot in seven days, which is just a sprint and a marathon were all wrapped up into one. Todd Noon's mother handled craft services on this film, um, which is. My mom actually did that for me on, on many projects. Oh, that's, of, uh, that's, that's, that's so thing. sweet. A lot of bratwurst yeah, and hot right? dogs, probably. Stay, let me let me put you to let me put you to work for free. Free labor. Uh, and this is a weird one. Crazy credits. Aeon the cat as himself. So uh, Whoa, famous cat crazy. Aeon, apparently. Yeah, right. It was almost like Todd Noons went in there and like filled this out because it was actually really filled out for an indie flick. Um, it did garner uh, five award wins. Uh, I'll just briefly go through these. Action on Film International Film Festival. Uh, there was, uh, looks like two wins there. Best Artwork, Best Horror Film Feature. Oh, no, it was a nominee. It didn't win Best Feature, but it did win Best Artwork and Design, which I think it did pretty, yeah, that's pretty great for an indie flick, what they were able to do there. Uh, won Best Special Effects at the an anti-hero production genre fest. That's a very specific festival. An anti-hero production genre fest. Okay. Uh, another hole in the head genre film festival, which we've all heard of. 
uh, one best local feature. So that must be a Napa thing or something. Uh, and then the RIP Horror Film Festival, it won the Audience Choice Award. I could see that. It's kind of a fun movie to see with an audience. Uh, and then the Rest in Peace Award uh, for Best Slasher. So that is our rundown. We've reached the segment of the show where we guess and reveal who's responsible for this week's submission. Winner with the most correct guesses at the end of the series will win a Who Dundee Award. Uh, since this is the last episode of Series 2, we all know that it was Jim uh, who done it this time. And so, Jim... So how the heck did you come up with uh, All Through the House, Jim? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, I wanted to submit something that was, you know, less serious than the fair that we had been submitting. I mean, we've been submitting some pretty heavy films with, a, you know, a lot of thought and, com you know, complexities and that kind of thing. So I wanted to, you know, submit something that was more the roller coaster ride direction. Um, the other reason and the the largest reason is that uh Todd Nunez is the older brother of a friend of mine uh from high school and uh Neat. there's yeah and there's a lot of like you know rooting for this movie uh in fact um uh I went to I believe it was the RIP film festival uh in LA and spent a couple of days with my friend's older brother Todd <clears throat> and he was a you know a great host uh you know to us and we went to see the movie you know in you know with other moviegoers and the actresses and actors and things too uh and it was just a ton of fun and it was very if i remember right it was around the same time as how it showed up you know um for us so it was in the summer um, it was a Christmas horror movie, which was fun, you know, being in the middle of summer. And uh, I was trying to recreate that very similar experience with the exception of cool. actually being in a movie theater with other people for us and see what you guys think about it, you know, honestly, and have a good talk about it. So, yeah, thank you for kind of going in the other direction, too. That's that was <clears throat> I had I had fun with this one. Um, we'll find out what everyone thought. Um uh, I, I want to know, since you were there during one uh -huh. of the showings in a movie theater at the festival, is, is that correct? Yep. yep. Yeah, so how did the audience uh, receive it? Um, so the audience, a lot of them were were friends of, you know, okay. but there was so a... very, a, very well. <laughs> yeah, no, but there was a good... I think that when you go to a horror uh, film festival you've already ferreted out uh you know the people that are uh you know this is not really my jam or this is not really my thing you know it's uh like anything that is a hobby or a convention of hobbyists everyone's there to see exactly what's being shown and this wasn't the only selection by the way uh this was a true film festival there was a bunch of other like shorts and movies that we got to watch as well that sounds like um, a lot of fun 
Yeah, yeah, it was a blast. And, you know, going around LA a little bit too and eating at a few places and things like that. It was, you know, it was a, a lot of fun with the family and friends and things before and after. So, uh, but just to answer your question succinctly, it was well received. Uh, in fact, in some of the scenes, you, you know, because you, you, you just don't, you know, horror movies just don't take too seriously. Like you're not close to it, like trying to, you know, analyze it and that kind of thing. There was right. clapping and, you you know, uh, yelling and, you know, that kind of thing. So that part was cool. I, I always loved yeah. that, that vibe of like celebrate, you know, that celebratory vibe. No, it's, so. You know, I picked up on this one that it was like, they probably had a lot of fun on set. And mm -hmm. I suspected that the audiences at the film festivals who, you know, are immersed in this culture at the time and whatnot are having a blast with something like this. Sure. Um, let me play the uh, intro song because they wrote it for the movie and um, writing like movie theme songs is a bit out of fashion these days, uh, as we know, since Ghostbusters ruined it for everyone, uh, writing the perfect song. <laughs> No one could ever attain that. But uh, yeah, uh, I thought it was actually pretty good and, and like set the tone for the movie you're about to see. First comes the presents, the little dick. He wants big balls that he can kick. Uh, also a hammer and a fireman axe. A slingshot and a whip that crunch. Ho, ho, ho. Here comes Santa. Ho, ho, ho. Look out for Santa. So, you know, that kind of sets the tone, right? So what did you guys think of this one? This is such an unusual selection and kind of our first true indie film, you know, with a microbe budget, as we say. Who wants to start? Well, go ahead, ben, go ben ahead. usually calls on us. <laughs> I, I want to see if anyone has, wanna has like an enthusiastic opinion they just had to get out there. Everyone's like waiting for everyone else to say something now. <laughs> I will say that if there was no women that were killed for this movie, this would almost be like a feminist Santa Claus movie, honestly. <laughs> With the mutilation of men. I mean, not an actual feminist, you know, movie, no, but. Um, With the you know, uh, severing of the penises. <laughs> Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously a very radical, not a accurate radical, version yeah, of right. feminism. No, but, it's, uh, it's what the yeah. right thinks feminism is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's their, like, nightmare idea of feminism. Um, I'll say something. There's a, a kind of, they kind of did, like, a, um, a in, the, in the first kill, you know, how they lead off these movies with the first kill. They did, they got that uh, lady in the shower. She was one of the first, either her or the guy she was with. Um, but it reminded me of that uh, quote from Princess Bride. Uh, Kat, you can back me up on this. There's a shortage of perfect breasts in the world. It would be a pity to damage yours. It was like they took that to the next <laughs> step and just, man, that I don't have breasts, but man, that looked like it hurt. <laughs> yeah, that that was a painful, painful thing to watch. Uh, I'm yeah, sure for the mutilation of the guy's genitalia as well, it was not easy for you. All of you men to watch either <laughs> yeah no they um, definitely went there it was kind of surprising yeah. that they did but um and they did a pretty good job let's talk about their the gore factor and the visual effects uh, they were mostly maybe all practical all the makeup effects and 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 blood and stuff 
what did you guys think of of that specific thing? Uh, I don't know if you guys are even into gore or whatever, but uh, I'm not like super into it. But I appreciate a good effect shot, you know, and some and some setups. And they spent a lot of their time, obviously, focusing on that. So, uh, what did you guys think? I thought. Um, I mean, I thought this movie walked like a pretty. Like it really just like split the middle on almost everything um, for me. It, it was it was undoubtedly like fun to watch, and I was like laughing at some points, um, especially when the like the kills were pretty pretty good. I mean, they weren't super inventive, but like they were pretty good, you know. Right. Um, but I think yeah, I think as a whole, it just sort of like it came it came really close to that line of like being cringy, but never crossed it. But it also like never got to the never sort of like made it to that next sort of step of like those true like great like B horror movies, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think it, yeah. it really like split the middle or split the difference for me on that. Yeah. Um, but I, agree. I think, you know, I think the practical effect, I mean, stuff like that's fun to watch, you know? And so it's also fun because you can be like, like I remember one scene where like, one of the girls gets stabbed in the head and like the way that like the, the tip of the like shears was like coming out, like wasn't yeah. quite, quite right. And I was just like, Oh, that's just like a thing on stuck to her head. You yeah. Know? Don't look too closely. <laughs> yeah, look, look mostly yeah. at the blood spurting out. They put right. a lot of effort yeah. into just making that, uh, they must have bought it by the gallon or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's also that scene where he's stabbing the uh, the woman with the like what do you what do you call them the hair curlers in her hair and like the scenes where it cuts to him stabbing you can see like the wig being that's on top of the water balloon filled with blood or whatever they're stabbing you can see the wig like moving up and down and then it cuts to her and you can see her getting stabbed but it's like you can just see the wig moving. Everybody in yeah. this movie is so well wigged. Every single I don't think there was a single yeah. person in this movie. Except, well, the guys, I guess. Everybody except the guys just was just wearing a wig. No, I, I seriously wrote it in my notes. Like, hair and makeup was was on point. Like, they, they put a good amount of the budget into H&M. Uh, and some of the costumes, too. I, and I heard that the director uh, frequented flea markets to buy uh, Christmas decorations on the cheap. Uh, Jim, you're nodding yes. Do you have some insight into this? <laughs> Yeah, so I remember when they were, um, well, I wasn't like in on the set, like when they were filming, but I remember like my friends saying, hey, you can't come over because they're filming here. And I think they were mainly using two houses and uh, at the family house and then another house, I think it was in the East Bay, but don't quote me on that. Um but it was interesting because because I know at least one of the houses, you know, inside and out, uh -huh. watching the movie, I could see like sometimes they would cut to the front of that house. But then when they showed the interior, the interior is not that house. And then there were certain points because they were, you know, it, it gave you the illusion of all these different houses, you know, especially as the yeah. random um, murders and things. And um, sometimes they would show the outside of another house, but like like the scene where she's escaped, trying to escape out the window, it was the house that I know. Um, but I don't know why I got along that side tangent, but answering your question, 
um, as far as the flea market stuff, I remember coming over and seeing all of these Christmas decorations and he was yeah. buying them off season. And I was like, man, that is a lot of Christmas decorations. And he had bought a ton of stuff, a ton. It was, it was kind of crazy. Maybe that's why they filmed in July or maybe one of the reasons was that um, I wonder yeah. if you just planned that, like, you know, it'll be cheaper to buy this shit in July. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's interesting that uh, that the houses didn't match and were in different areas, uh, um, but they utilized that well. And yeah, you definitely want to do that, especially on a smaller uh, budget film. You want to use mm -hmm. the F out of every location, like shoot a different wall to different room, right? It depends on how you stage yeah. it. So you, you squeeze out what you can, because every time you have to do a company move, that's going to cost you time, money, effort, etc. So they they utilized that pretty well. Um, what did you guys think overall? Um, Pepe, you're, I, I, to me, it was kind of like, a, yeah, you kind of eye roll and groan, but you're also kind of laughing and, and like, you know, clapping a little bit along. But uh, how, how was this received by the rest of you guys? We haven't done a slasher film or a microbe yet. Uh, uh, yeah, so I'll go first. I have kind of the, I, I, I have to apologize to Jim and the rest of you. I couldn't finish this movie. Uh, I'm, I'm not a slasher person. I'm not a horror person, really. Um, I, there are definitely horror films I enjoy, but generally I don't go and see all the new ones that come out. And uh, after it was the, I know the exact scene that I turned it off on. It was the second penis removal when the cat came up and bit it. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that part. Oh, yeah, shit. that was rough. Oh, man. Oh, man. I expected you would have the biggest issue with this one. Yeah, it's like, I don't like gore and I don't like nudity. So it's like, hey, this is a movie about nude gore. I'm like, oh, that scene, that scene was so great. Right. They clearly just like placed a, just like one bit of cat food, like right behind that fake dick. <laughs> That was so funny. <laughs> oh, man. Because oh, the cat wasn't interested at all in that dick. It was just like, let me get to that food. Um, but yeah, it, I, that, I, think, I think that came before the plot twist and stuff. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think so. So, yeah, I regret not being able to, to fully discuss this film, but I just could not stomach it. I almost turned it off earlier, and that, that was this, the last straw. <laughs> You stopped short of actually physically getting sick. Are you a roller yeah, coaster basically. guy? Do you like roller coasters? No, no. If it goes ah, upside down, I won't it. ride it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I like okay. uh, wooden roller coasters like Roar and the Big Dipper at Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. You know, those are great, but right. not anything more intense. Nothing made of yeah. metal. He's too much. Yeah. Cool. Um... <laughs> Uh, well, I'm interested okay, in what Cat so, thought of it. I'm interested to hear what Cat. Yeah, thought. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, yeah. Let's let's go there. Um. Yeah. So all the the mutilation that was very interesting. Um. I because like so part of me when she was she had the um dialogue of of being like where she says something about like basically how she was shared with a bunch of men and that's how she like why she hates men and like she finds them as monsters and stuff i was like all right all right i can go i can get with this but it didn't it wasn't obviously just men and it wasn't um it didn't even seem like that was her angle because at the end when um she you know it's revealed that the person who's doing all this killing is is her daughter uh, or well 
it's who she made as a daughter, but is actually a man mm-hmm. who got yeah. who whose father uh uh what uh, yeah uh did the same thing to him. Um, I'm like trying to like I guess yeah it would be him not her yeah because she is the mom that made her as a daughter I don't know they never explicitly stated how he or they uh, she I guess they identified probably since she uh, right. the mom did it to him well I guess we can assume he and he was just it's horribly forceful. mutilated yeah yeah and then at the end when he, the mom kills the daughter or the the son excuse me um she said something about like a a a man with no dick is a useless man and i was like i thought you hated all men and all this stuff and like it was like so that was really confusing for me because i'm just like yeah mom what is sending me mixed signals here um i i was just unsure kind of what the what was the reason behind like the mom and why she like sheltered or kind of kept her child like indoors and stuff like i didn't really get like a i don't know a a clear answer or a reason that made sense on top of the fact that sorry no that's okay um if you're looking for some insight i remember in the beginning she just i don't know if you picked up on this or not but she was like having that flashback of her dad like passing her around and being like molested and stuff as a kid and so it just yeah made her hate men but i don't know if that's what you were like specifically no okay well i can see why yeah she would hate men but then like again, like her making her son into a daughter, that makes sense if she hates men. She doesn't want her daughter to be a man as well. But then at the end she kills right. her for being crazy and also for being a man with no dick and because yeah. quote that that man with no dick is useless is what to paraphrase yeah. what she said. Um so it that it was just that was kind of a little contra- uh it contradicted itself on top of the fact that I felt like that also was like very like um I don't know like probably not purposely but just transphobic in the sense of like well I'm thinking of obviously men who uh get uh transitioned to women and saying that uh you know someone who biological or someone who is biologically born male who no longer or vice versa like i don't know just that message itself seemed a little bit like off but um so yeah interesting sure concepts. but she was crazy um but right yeah, no i, I don't think, think we're not yeah shooting from the hip i think that uh probably it had something to do with that she loved her husband who cheated on her or whatever and he was supposed to be the one who gave her a daughter or something but yeah they didn't explicitly say it uh like what exactly or why that was going on there jim do you have any like actual psychology thing that you can um lean on for that like why would she want to dismember men or her even her own son and make her daughter but still like value men real men you know yeah well i i can um not really psychology you know Mm -hmm. other than what is the literal you know castration mean you know that type of thing but just Mm -hmm. using like um 
Because this movie was definitely an homage to other horror movies. Yeah, Psycho, um, and it, Halloween. Mm-hmm. I, I could go it, on. Yep, and it didn't hide that, and, and including some really um, popular movies that had come before. I mean, it was mostly 80s type of nods, but there were right. also, you, you know, like an aside to, to Saul uh, with the little teddy bear on the tricycle, you know, slowly wheeling in. I mean, that was definitely... You know, and almost a saw with uh, the jigsaw yeah. puppet. But um, the movie that comes to mind is Sleepaway Camp. Um, yes. And yes, I hate absolutely. to spoil that, but, at, you know, at the end of the, the movie, um, it's a female, you know, who is the killer uh, in that movie. And then you find out that she's actually, you know, a man. Trans. Yeah, trans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was early 80s. Uh, that was our mid 80s or so. And so that whole thing was an homage to that. It also seemed to be kind of a different take on what I've read uh, about Ernest Hemingway. Um, his mother was very authoritarian, and I think it was Hemingway, and wanted a girl and um dressed you know hemingway in in girl clothes when he was a child and it kind of really messed with him you know um as a teenager and an adult and they surmised because you know you were looking at the distant past and trying to come up with modern reasons i i do believe hemingway committed suicide so it was that kind of thing. And then as far as the meaning of the end, when she says, you're, you know, you're a dickless man, you know, I, right. I think that in her tortured thinking, Melinda Carrion's char- character, Mrs. Garrett, um, in her tortured thinking, um, she wanted a girl in both actual and presence, I guess. And I think towards the end, she came to the realization that no matter what she did, he was still a man. He still wasn't what she wanted, you know. And now and, broken beyond repair or something. Is that what, yeah. where you're going? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so she was just going to get, you know, rid of the problem and then, you know, blame everything on him. Just like she had blamed years ago on her before. husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. this is like the reverse ugly duckling. Like, oh, you're not a yeah. girl. You're a, <laughs> you're a mutilated man. Yeah. Yep. With a much more gruesome ending. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a I have a funny clip to go to. Um, but I want to set it up. Uh, this was the guy whose safe word was jingle balls. Uh, so this is the jingle balls clip. But uh, <laughs> he um. He kind of like says it so fast and urgently that it sounds like chicken balls. And I'll see if you guys agree with this or not. But it was like, guy, you had one job. Enunciate. It's behind your back. It's going to make me scream. Chicken balls. Chicken balls. Chicken balls. Chicken balls. So where are we? Was it? Did <laughs> yeah, you hear chicken definitely. balls? Yeah. Okay. Chicken balls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was, there was another, um, there was another scene with a flubbed line that made it in. I think, um, where the boyfriend character, uh, 
I don't remember his name. Uh, Cody, I think. Um, well, the whole thing was funny because when he was captured and they bring in the main girl, the, fi the final girl, right? Um, he's so concerned. He's All he wants to know is like what they're going to do to him. That's all he asks mm -hmm. them. He's, what are you going to do? Like, why, why are you asking this, man? Like, you don't want to know. But then there's one part where he goes, <laughs> what are you going to do to with me? <laughs> like, what are you going to do? He, he realizes that yeah. he's supposed to say with, but instead he said to, and like it just stayed in. It just, like, yeah, we'll keep it in. Sure. I mean, if you're shooting something like this in seven days, I'm surprised there weren't more of those, especially because you can't really get real actors on a micro budget like that. So he's probably casting yeah. a lot of like friends or like local actors that are maybe at the JC or something like that or whoever he can get. Um, yeah, that guy wasn't particularly great, but he he delivered a he he did his job, you know, uh, and they all did I, for the most part. I was um, I was the somewhat one lady surprised. Was really great though. Yeah, yeah, I was somewhat surprised because when I I looked at some of the like promotional material for the movie because I'd never heard of it before, uh -huh. and I was like, oh, this is gonna be a TNA horror movie cast entirely with like porn stars but it, uh, i guess it wasn't i guess they were just girls i guess <laughs> just non-porn star girls um people want to be in movies yeah i i do have to say that i was a little i was a little disappointed with um the lack of tna i feel i felt like there we could i could have used a little more nudity in it to be honest <laughs> <laughs> and devin left <laughs> yeah yeah he knew it was coming. <laughs> okay. uh, don't forget your award yeah no I, I saw i'm just making a joke yeah but i want to talk about uh um now i don't have her name in front of me what what what's the lady's name uh oh, Jim, Nunez? The, the good act the good actress uh that's the ma the mom uh the main lady oh mrs garrett yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh is she a local actor She's really great. I would love to actually um, like get her info. <laughs> Could you pass? Yeah, I really, I really liked her too. Um, yeah, I liked she's her as a really stood out. I really liked her as a person too, because uh, I, if I remember right, they were over one evening, or I had met her and like, yeah, this is one of the actresses, and she's, she's um, really pleasant. Uh, but uh, I think if I remember right, I mean, besides his family, because his, he uses family all over the place. Um, of course. His two, his two nephews, one of the kids that was throwing the snowball, and yeah. then the little kid that comes to the door and says Santa Claus. You know, it's Santa Claus uh, yeah. in the beginning scene. Those are both of his nephews. Uh, but I want to say that they were actors and actresses from the LA around the LA area or um, people he had met when he was in film school. Okay, um, there you go. But I, I think that that particular Mrs. Garrett, Melinda Keering lives somewhere up here, but again, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. I tried to look her up. Uh, she's just worked with him. It looks like. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, she has to be local. Like probably done a lot of theater and, and whatnot and some commercials and whatnot. But um yeah, she did really great. She really carried the movie. I mean, can I get a, an amen on that, guys? I mean, she was Yeah, she, she was had the best actor. performance for sure. She won best supporting actor at one of the film festivals, and I wasn't surprised to see that. Mm -hmm. So good for her.
Uh, I probably have a clip that uh, that I could play from her. I got the sense that the surly grandma was probably someone's grandma. <laughs> that woman in yeah. the wheelchair. Actually, let's jump to that. Yeah, that wheelchair lady, the grandma, her death <laughs> was definitely, I, I, in my mind, her death was a direct tribute to that Paul Rudd clip that he always plays on Conan from Mac and Me. Oh, yeah. I swear yeah. it was a tribute to that. I have the clip. Uh, it had to be out. Either that or like, Hannibal, right? Which I haven't seen. Spoiler alert. Someone gets killed in a wheelchair. Oh, maybe. But this was like so much like Mac and Me to the point where yeah, yeah. it has like the wheelchair being like dropped over some kind of like incline or cliff or whatever. So uh, let me play the, the Paul Rudd Conan clip with more cursing. <laughs> yeah, the Doppler. The yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ask your ask your friend if you talk to him if that was a, tri a tribute to that, because I'm I'm calling it out that it was a Mac and Me thing. You all seen that, right? For sure. The Mac and Me clip from Conan. Yeah. yeah, they just pushed that kid off a cliff into a fucking like quarry in a wheelchair. Yeah, it was a, just yeah like a quarry drop, which is just straight down. And it was like clearly yep. like a, a light dummy that just looked horrible, and it uh, it cuts to Mac doing the facial expression. I don't remember if they cut to uh, the Santa killer guy, but that would have been extra bonus cool if they did. You bet if they did. Was that I, I was that the was I the only one that laughed at that part? Because I I lost my shit. That no, part. That was, okay, no, <laughs> no, not okay, at all. that was intentionally that was... comedic. Okay, and I think that was um... the reaction they were going for, honestly. If I was just to... the way she yeah just the way she was in the conversation i mean the whole movie was kind of you know it was crass it was supposed to be you know the dialogue yes. and things but uh i felt she was especially crass you know when she was talking and in fact um uh uh um ashley the actress that plays uh the main character i can't remember her name off offhand in the in, you know the character's the name character? in the movie yeah. yeah but she's like grandma <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah no it's it's all it's not a like a huge trope but i guess it's a little bit of a trope to have kind of like the surprisingly vulgar grandma character but i mm -hmm. think it worked pretty well and also i think he's probably tributing gremlins maybe um, the lady that gets killed. Oh, in Gremlins oh well. yeah, the lady who gets yeah, fucking maybe. shot out of her house. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of good stuff. So he's leaning on some some good, standing on the shoulders of some giants here in a good way. And like you said, Jim, he's not trying to hide it. He's paying homage to it, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, this, Todd, you know, all when we were there, and we all knew it. You know, uh, he is a horror movie aficionado. Um, his DVD collection, that's what, you know, in, in downtime, we were, you know, hanging out at a, at his pad. We were watching just nothing but horror movies, which I was cool with. You know, I love horror movies. It's a genre that, right. and especially, you know, slasher movies. Um, so, yeah, he loves horror movies inside and out. So there's a lot of nods to different movies and scenes and things. Okay, give me your top 
uh, maybe two or three slasher movies that that uh, you'd recommend if someone hasn't seen it or is interested. Uh, Let me put you on the top spot. Two, <laughs> top two or three slasher movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say um, Scream, the very first Scream. Yeah. It's a I nod actually just watched that again, again like last week. Yeah, also filmed around here in Sonoma County. Yeah, yep. Uh, Scream was great. Uh, in fact, when that movie came out, uh, my significant, uh, you know, other at the time loved uh, Kevin Williamson. Um, and I watched... Uh, those movies multiple multiple times and they were great because they again were an homage to kind of a genre that was starting to peter out it had lost its luster everybody and their cousin had made a movie and you know a slasher movie and they were you know just degenerating the genre was was degenerating and when kevin williamson brought that out uh it really revitalized um horror movies and slasher movies Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, another another movie that I would pick out. It's not exactly a slasher movie. It's um, survival horror, I guess. And and again, these genres are not like static boxes. They blend and no. bleed into each other. But The Hills Have Eyes, the original. Um, that's a really good one. You know where? Okay. What's that? I haven't seen it. So I'm, yeah, I'm just mentally putting general... it on my list now. Yeah, the general plot is two families fighting for survival against a hillbilly family, you, you, you know, uh, that are cannibals. So like in the delivery um, so that's a, kind of category almost. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly, but more horrific. Um, you can watch the uh, the remake that, we, that they did. Uh, that one was made around the time that like Saul and Hostel were really taking off so it really leans the remake really leans into like the torture porn type of um very realistic violence which to be honest with you i mean i can i can watch those kind of movies to a certain extent but they're really definitely numbing after a while i i i do like the graphic violence to at least be kind of straddling the line like what we talked about this movie kind of in the middle where it's less realistic you know yeah um but it's there it's almost like there's a uncanny valley for gore that if you push too much toward Mm -hmm. the realistic it becomes off-putting but if you kind of go over the top with it yeah. and and walk that line, it can be fun for everyone except, you know, I mean, Devin's an exception, but that's okay. Uh, you know, not everyone likes upside down roller coasters. I get it. I, I was going to mention, though, the, the one slasher flick that I have seen and thoroughly enjoyed was uh, <laughs> Psycho because, you know, I back in the day, yeah, gore was uh, you see a knife coming down and then you see some Hershey's uh, syrup on the ground. That's it. That's gore. <laughs> that's That's fine. I can handle yeah. that. So, but well, well, Devin, they, is it does it like scare you or is it just gross? Yeah, no, it's just off-putting. And it's like I've seen movies that have 
violent have like gore in them that are like enjoyable movies still despite the gore like i've seen a couple of the final destination films like i i can enjoy right. it. there's quite a bit of like very grotesque violence in those films that like most people die in pretty upsetting ways but like it's still like, like interesting film around that and like uh, I've, i saw like the first two saw movies and like i could handle that despite it being you know, pretty mm. visceral. I could yeah. still handle it because it's like, you know, there's other stuff there. And for me, this movie just had no other stuff. It was just like, like, I don't even, I like blacked out between the scenes of just like yeah. absolute mutilation. So this was more like a purist slasher flick. Yeah. Than yeah. those. What is the, what are the name of those devices? Maybe you guys don't know this, but, or maybe you do. I don't know. You guys are smarter than me. Uh, those overly complicated inventions to do simple tasks. The final destination was like the death version of that. Yeah, Rube Goldberg. Goldberg. Yeah, exactly. Of course you know it. Yeah, those are the Rube Goldberg uh, movies for uh, for slashers. Final destination ones. That's interesting that you mentioned the the shower scene, Devin. Um, and and you might be more into like the gothic horror, uh, which are mostly like older movies where they just hint. They you only have to hint at it. You don't have to like show it. You don't have to display it. But um, the the shower scene that you mentioned from Psycho is is definitely a horror movie trope. I mean, in this movie, there was uh, several shower scenes. Yep. Uh, but you know, if we're speaking of shower scenes, my favorite is um, I know what you did last summer, because instead of having a a pretty lady take a shower, uh, this time they had Ryan Felipe <laughs> in the shower scene. That was that turn on its head was awesome. <laughs> during his when he was peaking yes yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't know about literally but figuratively yes he was peaking. <laughs> probably it was a cold shower but uh yeah one can imagine um yeah that's, yeah. that's cool yeah he did he did do several shower scenes cat did you have something to add to that mm-hmm. i was just thinking of because oh, the very beginning of the movie is the shower scene and i was thinking um uh-huh. i was thinking of the you know how that's used in a lot of horror movies and i was thinking of whether or not that was kind of a you know to appreciate how it's used in a lot of horror movies or if it was just being another trope but um what i was really thinking about was after well after you you have that first scene or the first uh shot of her being in the shower it goes to her boyfriend husband like back to the room and he's like trying to get it up and i'm like i was just thinking about that scene of like that was did they odd. have to do him dirty like that like i was just like did they have to do that um yeah by the horror movie but it was humorous because of that like shouldn't shouldn't the shouldn't he be the one that got spared the the because, yeah. I have I have no that. no because he was a he was a, black, he was a black he was a black guy so he had to die first oh yeah well, that, is, that is yeah yeah right that is a rule as per oh uh, second yeah uh, yeah not scary movie uh we were just talking about it mm-hmm. so they, help me out here scream sorry oh, scream uh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I have that scream. Clip, though. Yeah, here, here you go. Here's that poor gentleman. The first one that gets it. I'm ready when you are. I'm ready. Come on. I really need to get ready. I really need you to get ready. Now, now, get up, please. I mean, he's just trying to take his lady out on a date, and they're running late. And she's taking a little longer than... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that, oh, man, that was such an odd... Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I don't obviously I don't know how that works, but I assume yelling at it does not help. That's my assumption. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. different strokes for different folks, literally. Uh yeah. Whatever <laughs> works. <laughs> yeah, maybe that works for him. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, typically if someone's, and I'm personifying his penis, but uh, if someone's nervous, yelling at them doesn't help. <laughs> it should have cut to it like, hey, chill out, man. Just relax for a second. <laughs> um, yeah. Let me, uh, let me play the clip that uh, is like the Steve Buscemi, how do you do fellow kids for, uh, how old is, is Nunez? Is it Nunez? I want to say it right. Uh, Nunez, yeah. Nunez, yeah. How old is he? Is he of our generation? Um, or is he a kid? No, 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 no. Uh, so my friend is a couple of years younger than me, and uh, Todd is older. So yeah, he's of our okay of our Nailed generation. It. All right. So this is him, his writing. That's like the Steve Buscemi meme. How do you do, fellow kids? I have to try this dress on. It's beautiful. I don't think that's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. This is going on Facebook. Oh, it's not going on Facebook. Oh, man. Use Facebook. <laughs> Facebook. Uh, yeah. yeah. Writing with the, the like, women, like, the first shopping scene where they all meet up felt, like, so stilted and, like, weird. Oh, yeah, any of those, any anytime it cut to the supporting actors that were, like, chopping block actors, they were not so great, but, um... Yeah, again, what are you going to do kind of thing. But yes, I totally thought those are the, like the most eye-rolling moments. But I was also very forgiving because when I watch something like this, I'm not trying to compare it to, you know, some big budget Hollywood release. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to compare it to its peers, right? Like how did it do against the ton of other uh, micro-budget uh, horror movies that are on Amazon Prime, right? Yeah, I yeah, no, definitely. And having watched a slew of like B horror movies on Amazon and other streaming, I mean, some of them, you know, they look like they got filmed by a camcorder. Um, and it's just really right. gritty, really, really I've bad. I've worked on some. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and I, th I think the seven days. I mean, they definitely want to get it fast, but I think. And again, my memory is really hazy on some of this, but, you know, they had rented good cameras or something like that. And so, you know, you only have yeah, a certain am good. amount of time. Yeah, a lot of it comes down to, man, I, I, I wouldn't want to shoot in anything less than 12 days. I guess you could do it in seven, but I just can't imagine how fast they had to move through it. They must have mm -hmm. been just at a breakneck pace at all times must have been exhausted yeah there's yeah. two things there's will. I was... <laughs> yeah go ahead there's two things i, was, I want to add is um yeah i think with the time and the budget um and yeah that they're not able to necessarily afford the most experienced actors either um i feel like it is easier to write uh characters in a more trope-like sense for that kind of setting than like say if they wrote it in a, the script to have characters that were a lot more complex and like had subtleties and nuance and stuff, that would be much more difficult for uh, an actor that's not, you know, nearly as experienced to really be able to like perform on. Um, yes. I, I, People have their range. You know, I don't know if you guys. 
Yeah. No, yeah. I totally agree. Having worked with many actors as a director, um, you got to know your actor's limits uh, and know your kind of budget and schedule limits as well. He probably didn't have a lot of time to rehearse them. It's just like, here you go. Because a lot of the line, uh, not a lot, not like a ton, not like a crazy amount where I was like, oh, God, uh, thumbs down. But um, it was enough to where it was like they're misreading the specif the specificities here in the lines. Like they're not getting across the intentions of the written word here. And it was probably because they're like, okay, we got like five minutes to shoot this. But, you know, mm -hmm. whether or not that stands up for you as an audience member, I mean, you don't have to be like, oh, well, this circumstance and that circumstance, you can just judge it on whether or not you're entertained uh, and, and hate on it or love it from that. But I tend to just look at it from the other way a lot of the time. So, Yeah, and also to look at the genre that it's in. I mean, horror is like, you know, the genre of bad choices. And, you know, right. you know what I mean? I mean, the classic, which they made a commercial out of, um, you know, let's hide behind this, you know, wall of chainsaws because a serial killer yep, won't be able to get us here. <laughs> you, you know, and yeah, so what about the move? What about the running car? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, you know, don't do that. Or, uh, you know, you know, uh, half of our group of friends at this, you know, cabin in the woods is missing. Let's separate and go find them. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, and, and that was the kind of the second thing I wanted to add was that even like like Devin, you know, saying it was kind of cringy the way that, you know, the some of the female characters were written. Um, and I agree, but at the same time, it also fits the genre and like kind of it made me it reminded me of an 80s film to a T because, yes, that was the, also the tropes that. 80s films also had of female actors or female characters so it kind of even even within oh, that it point. was it, it fit the genre in that in, in that sense. time period specifically yeah no it absolutely so. did and in the in this specific genre the like low budget slasher genre it's typically like the high level of acting and dialogue is just people are a lot more forgiving of that and maybe we'll even laugh along with it, right? It's almost built in. Well, I thought the, um, I thought the the like fr the girlfriend who um, was like a total asshole. I thought she was great. I thought she did a really good job, just like being that character, you know? Yeah. Here, you, here's a clip, and the, and then you can continue your point. A job? You mean like work? <laughs> I don't work. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like the point of her character is for you as an audience member to be like i can't wait for her to get fucking killed and that's exactly right. what i thought i was like mm -hmm. oh man she's gonna get it and it's gonna be great that line that line was one of those setups where you're just like oh you're dead <laughs> i'm looking yeah, forward to yeah. this yeah it's like that michael jackson meme where he's just crunching the popcorn just ready for right, it right yeah 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 yeah, so I mean, I thought that she did a good job in doing that. I, I thought they did a good job doing what their job was. Every once in a while, there would be kind of a, a line reading that was just like, you know, below average, but um, nothing like extraordinary that ruined it for me. That's You know, the other thing... Was. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But... Now, the we're on a delay that... here, and might I point out that 
they did an update on Discord, so I guess we're kind of like it might the timing might feel a little different today. Yeah. The one thing that I do the one thing that um I think you can get away with in movies that are like a little bit better than this is you have um like there were a lot of scenes where um or like the one that I remember in particular is where they put the girl, the la- the final girl, Rachel or whatever her name was, in yeah, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. They put her in that cage, and then there's the scene where she's like, "Oh, let me out," and it's just like clearly like just like tied together with like a piece of string, and it's just like just inside the string. <laughs> then you'll get out. The timeout cage. But, yeah, yeah, but she was on timeout. Yeah, but like, uh, if she comes out, Pepe, then they they timeout. See, you're not a parent, so you don't know this. The timeout resets. <laughs> so she would have to go back oh. in and start the timeout from the beginning again. I see. The nuances right. of the scene were lost on me. <laughs> right. But but what I mean is like if that if that scene had been a little more tense or a little more if there had been something a little more yeah, just like interesting going on in that scene, you probably wouldn't reckon you wouldn't see that, right? The I don't know, we've talked about hiding the crimes before, like or just like no, not put no, it in the fucking point. front, like just put it, just have nothing yeah. there, you know. Framing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Right. 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 For the close up. Yeah. Because you could, the camera could be inside the timeout cage magically. Right. Um. That's a good point. Yeah. Sometimes I mean, having the cry. That's just a product of the, cry- the type of film. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes having the crimes right in front of you makes it funnier. It does make it pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this was going. You know, like drowning in a baby pool, or you know, a little kid's <laughs> pool, or so. You know, <laughs> but the scene but where, or the scene where she was tied up in the closet and she like freed uh-huh. her one hand, and then she was just like, "Oh, I can't get it." It's like just untie it. You got the other hand. Just untie it. It's a rope. Just untie it. It's a knot in a row. That, was, that, see, that one worked a little. That one worked a little better for me, just because. And this is the point I was going to make about the second one: how to fix that if I'm going at it from a, a screenplay writing uh, angle is that you put like a, a timer on on it, like something, some kind of countdown that she needs to beat. And that one she kind of did though, at least when she was tied up in the closet, because wasn't her boyfriend getting like they were having yeah. their fight, like. The yeah, showdown. the very yeah, and that scene, you're right. There was some some other like thing going on that made the that raised the stakes a little bit higher instead of just being in yeah, because in you know because in the latter latter scene chronologically, oh my god, formerly the one we were talking about before, uh, the one that chronologically happened later with the timeout cage, um, she was just interrupting their their monologues. She was so. just they left the room. <laughs> she was there by herself. <laughs> oh my god really oh okay yeah, I, I think missed so. that it, it uh, was right after her uh her boyfriend just got killed as melinda okay. was like oh uh before i forget stab you know and then left so that banging on the cage was like impotent rage or whatever desperation yeah, yeah. that fucking cage was just the flimsy it was like made out of pipe cleaners too it's like <laughs> come on man you can get out of there you to burst out like the hulk or something yeah right <laughs> Oh, um, let's talk about since we're kind of getting so it was pretty much structurally hit on all the right uh, beats of a slasher horror film, right? And um, mm-hmm. I, I think that maybe the one thing again, if I'm being uh, 
overly critical of a slasher film, it would have been helpful to kind of, and, and let me just pause there again, budget time constraints, right? It would have been probably helpful if they had tied all the neighbors together. Um, even, even if you couldn't get the whole cast together in one room, because again, that's like another time in expense that you might not be able to do and people's schedules on a movie like this, you may not be able to schedule them together. But maybe like uh, some shots of them getting like a Christmas card I thought might be good to like at least like show like, hey, this is this neighbor and with like a quick setup of like who they are because mm -hmm. it would cut in and like do the, the kill thing. But I didn't always get like, like, OK, we're being introduced to this character. I, I guess the rule of thumb is you want to introduce typically your characters, all of them within uh, unless you got a twist or something within the first act of your of your movie they should oh, all be introduced i i get what you're saying i think that some of the well the first kills it's all it's um also a trope in horror movies sometimes uh, i know friday the 13th and in the later movies really brought this where first you circle around the random characters like maybe the core group seeing them on the side of the road like the hitchhiker and um uh i think it was a new be no not a new beginning um uh part four friday 13 part four where she was just a hitchhiker she was just somebody that they saw yeah and so the random characters the outlier flying characters, outlier outlying characters get killed first the ones that you don't care about and like then the it's so and wow mm -hmm. And then it slowly starts to get to the core, and the core was really small. It was just really um, it was a protagonist, her boyfriend, and then her two friends, and then Mrs. Garrett, and then you know even the grandmother was kind of like more of a side type character. But even with her, like I <clears> felt like they set it up enough. Like they gave her that one scene where she was cursing or whatever, and that was yeah. cool. But with some of the uh, the other like not outlier characters, but outside of the core mm -hmm. characters. It, it, I don't think it introduced them before it went to the kill scenes sometimes, which is fine. No, but it, I, it would have been nice to have like a shot of them, maybe like as she's driving in the neighborhood or something, it kind of like shows cuts to them, like opening a card from the crazy lady down the street and making some comments, setting up their character type. But again, budgetary. Gotcha. It's like, I'm very, I'm being picky here because you have to seven days. I mean, you know, if you're gonna cut something, probably cutting the intro scene to the neighbor that gets killed in like a minute of the movie is probably one of the first things that goes. It didn't even it didn't even dawn on me that those people were neighbors. Yeah, I've that's seen, why, right? Yeah, well, but I mean, I've seen so many of these like TNA horror movies where there there are scenes like that just to give you an excuse to put women in lingerie and take off their tops, and then they get killed. Like that's the point of it to have that oh absolutely there, you know? yeah no that's the underlying point for sure i just can't ever back away from the structure of the thing completely but again i'm being like super picky here um well what what you're talking about is like co having some coherency within the movie right like that type yeah. of thing. yeah you just kind of want to give if it's going to be someone who gets killed you want to give them some kind of typically some kind of intro that ties them into the setting at least mm -hmm if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't doubt at all that, uh, is it Todd Nunes, the director? Uh, yeah. I, mm -hmm. wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that he's aware of this stuff. It most likely was, you know, I, I'll 
miss something like that, but it will it will have been a creative choice because you have constraints. You know, you're not you don't have a sure. money hose from Universal to spray around or Disney these days, I mm-hmm. should say. Um, but what did stand out as pretty well done was they he worked in some pretty good twists and the background to the bad characters was really fleshed out. Um, and I thought that was an above average part of this film. Anyone agree? Disagree? I have some clips, but uh... yeah, yeah. I I really like the back. You know, because the the main the killer um, in uh, uh, slasher movies has to have a good motive. You, you yeah, know? absolutely. And yeah, and uh, there were. I mean, there were t- kind of two killers in this movie. It was her and her. You know, her son. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, the son was kind of like Halloween. You know, he doesn't say anything. Yep. And in fact, I think he only made one like um, one gasp of pain when he got stabbed, you know, by his mother. But other than that, he was just completely quiet. And yeah, then she he didn't was gasp the when one he got kicked in the crotch. When he got kicked, yeah. In the... Well, <laughs> that <was a> <laughs> I, yeah, that was a good. I, that that was, was a good, I like that. He did that. He did a reaction shot that just made me gut laugh. Basically, it was pretty funny. Yeah, but uh, uh Melinda's uh, Melinda's character, Mrs. Garrett, she uh, she was definitely not the mother in Friday the Thirteenth, the first one. No, uh, but she had that kind of same presence. Like she's sinister, even when she was being, a, and, and even having that apron where it said, you know, naughty was checked off instead of nice was an extra oh, ad. That, that. That. Yeah, that's a good detail. Yeah, oh, that's a great detail. And, and uh, she was clearly crazy, but you really like the scenes with her um, engaging or whatever, and as her motives are being more and more exposed, you're like, man, you know, this is pretty. At least the way I felt was, it's pretty sinister. Yeah, and I noticed when I went back to get a uh, that music clip from the beginning uh, that when Rachel is first pulling up and is playing the song, she sees Mrs. Garrett and she's talking to a police officer for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that was like a hint that they were informing her that her son broke out or something. Yeah, she later uh, unveils that when she's talking to um, the the lead pr- uh, protagonist, the final girl. Uh, yeah, so well done on on uh, on the sort of uh, twist and the development there. Did did the twist uh, catch anyone off guard? Did you see it coming? Um, like what was going on? Because they also have a red herring that maybe it was her husband that had broken out of prison. In fact, here, here's the get out clip where he reveals that, and we're supposed to think maybe it's the husband. Rachel, you got to get out of that house. I should have just walked down the top of the bed. I should be fine. You're breaking up. Do you hear me? Get on the Verizon network where that doesn't happen. Come on. <laughs> <Good time. laughs> but, uh, yeah, he says before that, oh, well, it's not a lot of information, but he gives her some good information about the husband was actually in prison nearby or something like that. But uh, then the, the twist is that it's uh, the killer is the daughter who is really a son, which I'll play that clip, and then we can talk about it. I, I got two back-to-back. The first clip's called It's a Boy. The second clip's called It's a Girl. 
I was expecting a lovely little girl. So, you can imagine my surprise when I gave birth to a beautiful, manipulating, perverted, womanizing man! Really enjoyed her performance. Here's the It's a Girl clip. When I came home from the hospital, I brought Jamie down here and fixed the little problem. It was easy as removing a nasty wart. Oh, God. Mom! Uh, yeah, so how did that twist work for you guys? Let's go around. Kat, did it, did it, uh, did it get you? It got me. I'll cut, I'll kick it off. Um, I don't know uh, what, uh, what part of the movie, but when they're doing that flashback and they're, um, when the lead actress is asking mom why she kept Jamie indoors and isolated the whole time, they do like a flashback of her, like telling her supposedly her daughter, um, that, you know, that the other children are perverted, basically don't hang out with them. They're horrible. You're good. You should just stay here and be safe. Right. And they don't show the daughter's face. And so for me, that was a huge indication. That's when I, at least I was like, oh, I That's think the killer, the killer might be the daughter because they're not showing the face in purpose. Um, obviously I didn't, yeah, I didn't see that the, it wouldn't be, I think the only reason I I thought maybe it wasn't a female was because this person seemed like a big belt. Like I was like, that doesn't oh, okay. look like a woman. Yeah, tall, very tall too. Um, even just the way, the, like movement, didn't seem oh, feminine. Okay. I guess um, to okay, me. Cool. So I, that was the other the other thing that kind of hinted that it wasn't a female but again i still had the idea i was like oh well i thought it was a daughter but i was like but we didn't see the face so maybe there's some perverted stuff going on so right and thus provided the motivation for the uh uh i don't know what do you call it a severing of the penis not decapitation uh i'm per personifying them too much castration um, castration thank you <laughs> uh yeah the bris uh the un the un unordered bris or whatever uh, but Devin, so since you know the twist now, um, did did you have any hints to that? Did you pick up on anything before? Yeah, before I mean, the, it, it uh, might kind of be like hindsight, you know, like like knowing the twist. I feel like I could have could have seen it coming, but uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely I like immediately when they talked about like uh, uh, the the daughter that was kept inside. Uh, that first conversation with the neighbor, I was like, okay, she's the killer. Like I got, I was okay. like, that's absolutely the killer. Like the killer uses, wears a mask. And they just mentioned someone who has like a mutilation or a skin disorder that kept them inside. Like, boom, she's the killer. Um, right. I, I probably, I feel like I could have put two together with the way she was mutilating the men or, or they were mutilating the men that, uh, you know, it was related. I don't know. I probably, I feel like I would have seen it coming. Cause these movies are like very predictable. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah, maybe I just wasn't being an astute observer. But Kat, did you see the castration theme uh, being linked to what happened to the son in the past? I, that wasn't clear to me. Um, or was that so, bit, that little tiny bit uh, detail there? I'm making a bad joke, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that 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 definitely made it more clear by by what I said earlier of the whole like what the mom said too um, about 
why she did what she did to the dot to the her son. Yeah. What about you, uh, James? Did you did you see all this stuff coming? You know, I had like a I had like a completely different reaction to this because uh, hmm. for some reason I got it into my head somehow. Maybe I read briefly like what this movie was about and someone mentioned that it had a twist or something like that. And so going into okay. the movie, I'm maybe I don't remember if I knew going in that there was a twist or something, but for the whole movie, I was like, oh, okay, the twist is like who of the characters that we know is gonna be the one killing people. And so I was constantly trying to figure out, like, oh, okay, is it gonna be I thought for sure I had it. I was like, oh, it's going to be Cody. He's going to be the one killing all of Rachel's friends because she left him, right? And he didn't like that. Um, but that didn't turn out to be the case. Uh -huh. And so I was just trying to figure out, like, who who of the cast that we had met already is left that is a man that would be doing these things. And so, like, the fact that the twist was that it was, like, her child just like never mm -hmm. registered to me and so it just kind of fell flat <laughs> it fell flat because you didn't feel like it was enough hints there or no just because i was expecting a twist and since the twist oh, okay that i was expecting wasn't the one it, there was just like no twist for me basically and they sort of they all and they sort of also like hinted at the end because he finally, the guy finally takes off the mask and you can see he's like in the background, but he's out of focus. And I was like, oh, are they going to show who it is? And are we finally going to uh -huh. like, is this going to mean something like who he is? But then, right. they, but then you never get to, you never actually see his face um, clearly. Which was, which was worked for me, but um, you're kind of implying that that didn't work for you? No, well, no, I just thought that because I had this idea in my mind that there was going to be this like Scooby-Doo-esque unmasking of like, oh, it was so-and-so right. all along. Okay, yeah. I yeah. thought Kinda that like... what like, they do in Scream and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so like watching the movie, I was like trying to figure out who is who this is going to be. And when... Who done it. Right, exactly. And when the <laughs> when Cody was introduced, I was like, oh, for sure, it's him. Like, it's got to be. And then... I and at first because at first I was thinking well maybe it's one of these girls and then I saw like there's a there was a scene where like the Santa costume on the guy's arm just like came up a little bit and I was like oh that's far too hairy an arm to be a woman's mm -hmm. arm um and so I was like so it has to be a guy and it seemed like a man just by the way like with a cat what's that cat's it just like the way he, yeah I assume his that stature too, and things which is what threw me off yeah and so I was like well okay what other male characters are there that we've met um yeah and yeah so I'm anyway also, no that's fine i'm also realizing that i'm probably a very passive viewer on a lot of these movies and i wasn't being as actively i wasn't actively sleuthing like uh maybe you're even intended to or a lot of people do um so just kind of like in that way uh it's just like oh that that was a really good twist um and I didn't see it coming at all. So well, it was did... odd. It was odd to just by the fact that they put him in a mask uh -huh. that you want that like reveal, right? Like that's the point of having someone in a mask. 
because none of those people would have recognized this person, right? None of those right. girls would have recognized the guy, the person who it was. So no, no, nobody would have. Yeah, so it just threw me off a little, and I maybe I brought something to the movie where I was expecting something that I should yeah, have maybe. been expecting. But again, if I'm getting picky, they might have. If he wanted to set it up for that kind of thing to work, they might have mentioned like or put in a scene where you see Jamie. Well, I guess his or her name is Jamie. Um, by the way, when they when she first mentioned uh, uh, Jamie is my kid or whatever, I was like, is Jamie a boy or a girl? Uh, innocently asking that to myself, mm -hmm. and uh, I suppose the answer is yes. Um, but um, right. So um, yeah, when they they might have set it up with like a scene, a flashback scene where Jamie gets scarred or shows they're trying to communicate through the window and uh, Rachel, young Rachel sees some kind of like identifying Mark or something that she might've recognized or we might've recognized as the audience later. That yeah. kind of thing. But again, seven days. Yeah, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. But mostly I, I feel like that worked for me, but Jim, did it work for you? And um, I'm very curious, how did the audience receive that? Do you remember how the twist was received there? Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember exactly. I, I yeah, know yeah. there was a lot of, you know, hooting and clapping, but it was throughout. And and sure, if I had to make a guess, it probably would be along those lines. Um, but I'm I'm with you, uh, Ben. As far as when I watch this particular genre of movies, for the most part my frontal lobe just turns off and I'm just there for visceral entertainment, you know, right. Um, you know, as it unfolds. Uh, so, I mean, the twist was, I mean, it was, it was fun at the end and there was a, there, I mean, even watching it now, you know, again, and knowing, you know, what's going to be revealed and it's weird, right? Because somebody, a mass killer that's just killing people in real, like in real life, there's really no sympathy. But in horror right. movies where it's fun, when that is revealed, started having, you know, well, yeah, I started having sympathy for, for that character. And even before that, you know, the scenes where the mother, like uh, what uh, Kat had, talked on where the mother is talking to jamie and um he's a small child and she's being very authoritarian and very much you know you're gonna stay here and people are bad and you cannot go outside there's no safety out there and then it cuts to her because she's reliving that that scene as she's talking to the main protagonist you know about the way she she treated her daughter and she's just, and I believe in positive reinforcement. You know? I love <laughs> like, that. Yeah. My I'm glad God. you mentioned that. That stood out <laughs> to me as a really great way to just, it was almost like a sitcom joke, the way they like cut to later and like say yeah. the opposite thing. Yeah, yeah. It worked really well. And again, she was just a real big standout. Um, let me play her last clip. Uh, we can kind of talk about the, the end. Because Rachel, I think, ends up sympathizing with or empathizing with, uh, with the killer, with Jamie. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jamie. Why didn't you come back to me like the little girl I knew? 
You ain't nothing but a dickless man. So it's almost a tender moment there for a second, and then uh, it flips, uh, almost like uh, almost like Goonies when uh, I forget his name. Was it Slop? I don't want to call it the wrong name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the mom's like, "Oh, remember when I sang to you or whatever?" And it's like a tender moment. And then he turns on her or whatever. So it was a, that was also a good little turn. Um, I, I just want to say real quick that I enjoyed calling out the kind of references that the movie was, you know, uh, hearkening back to in other films. Yeah. That was a fun part of it. But uh, she doesn't. Uh, they the in the end, um, Rachel and Jamie end up both not fighting each other and find out their siblings uh half brother and and sister not to make a joke but um <laughs> that was unintentional but um mildly amusing <laughs> but uh they end up working together she says let's bury the bitch after after Jamie kills uh the mom and um i don't know what it was setting up there that Jamie is joining him or if she's just going to like turn him back in the asylum but they're like because they're siblings and they get each other that they're working together but they they weren't fighting at that point um so how did that go over with you guys that that saw it um devin just hearing it now i'll hear what you have to say about it too um and was it setting up for like a sequel or or what was what was going on there what was that dynamic how'd you guys read that cat we'll start with you since i read left to right yeah, that's how I felt. It felt like it was a way to set up like a possible sequel. Um, which I also I feel like that tends to happen also with the genre. Like I, I maybe Absolutely. I'm wrong, but I feel like that's always it's always left open for a sequel, even if yeah. they don't necessarily do a sequel. Um, so kind of like a link like leaving, you know, people on a cliffhanger kind of a little bit. Yeah. And Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that like horror movies really blaze the trail on doing a ton of sequels. Also, because they tend to be a little cheaper to produce, and um, the profit margin is much higher there because of it. And so they're like, "Yeah, let's do like five sequels or whatever, as long as people want to, you know, are forgiving enough and just want to have fun and go see a movie." Um, yeah, what do you that, think, Devin? that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what do you think about about uh, the whole brother sister working together at the end thing? Um, yeah, you probably I mean, you likely have the right of it that that it's sort of a setup. Um, yeah, I, I find it hard to kind of uh, interpret why this movie did anything that it did, uh, but yeah, <laughs> a, a sequel seems likely. Um, Will you be this- the first in line camping out to buy a ticket? This this project was nothing if not ambitious. I'll give them that, and uh, that ambition yeah. extended to them expecting a sequel. I think. Yes, it did extend, and but uh, sadly was cut off. Yes, excellent. Really? Yeah. All right. Penis <laughs> no, jokes. Yes. Yes. No, it's, it's uh, yeah. The the eight o'clock show is different from the six o'clock show, folks, but not much. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget 10 o'clock shows blue though adults only <laughs> that's right so they're working together at the end uh james what do you think at least that's what my reading i put was. like literally zero thought into it yeah no, so that was just <laughs> yeah it's just like oh, okay it they, me off, they like, know really now that they're brother flip? and sister so they're not going to kill each other yeah but do you think she's gonna g- turn evil or do you think she was just like 
go bury the bitch out back while I call, uh, you know, the psych ward to come pick you up or whatever. Because I was, I was generally, I don't, generally I don't know, confused man. about that. Yeah. Am I reading too much into that? Um, it just kind of threw me a little bit. Like, wait, is she flipping here? Like, what? Oh, I didn't get that sense that she was like okay. now on board with, uh, yeah, like the dick chopping like brother um, sister team train. Up? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> like one of them would hold each handle of the chopper and just, you know. Do the thumbs up with the cheesy yeah. expression. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it one, two, three, or three, two, one? And the victim's like, who gives a shit? What are you gonna do to me? Yeah, you're gonna get right. your dick chopped off, dude. Come well, on. Well, it's gonna be you horrible know. and you're gonna hate um, it. I guarantee you that much. <laughs> yeah. He he actually uh, I think he got the worst of it, right? Because he ended up just getting stabbed in the like juncular air region. Yeah. That, that yeah. brings up a point. Have any of you been stabbed or cut really badly or anything? Um, because I've had surgery without uh being put under. It was like just a local, but they were like cutting pretty good. And um God damn, that was maybe the worst pain I have ever been in, and it's horrifying. But mm. when people in horror movies and again, this is the genre. They'll get like stabbed and they'll just kind of like almost like a cartoon, like running over the cliff. They'll just kind of like keep running for a second, and be cool until they like really notice what's going on and then scream. I guarantee you that if you got stabbed like that, it would hurt instantly, like one of the worst things you've ever felt. And you would scream horribly right away. The, the, the reactions like that, right? Yeah. Just, a, yeah. just an observation. Um, so, yeah, the uh, delayed screaming thing was a, a little cartoony, but maybe that was part of woven into the fabric of the material on purpose but uh jim so for you what what was it a brother sister team up what was she about to call uh, the authorities on him what what was your reading on that um so i don't think so i don't me. think she yeah and and, it, and i think it's meant to be that way and then i think it's meant to reverse um a trope in a way too so i i don't think that they're gonna be like the buddy uh, brother and sister team that joins in slaying together. I don't think it's going to be that, okay. but I also don't think that she's going to be turning him into the uh, police or the mental okay. institution. Um, and, and there's, you know, just looking back on it, there's evidence that she, even as a young child had empathy with Jamie, you know, she Definitely. left the raggedy and, and doll you know in the very beginning so she had she definitely had empathy and now that the full story is revealed i i think that that scene is making a choice not to uh turn jamie in um as far as uh, a sequel de definitely cat it's very it, that that in and of itself is a trope most of these movies you know they they and some of them are very contrived how they do it at the end but in order to make a sequel it's, and and in a lot of the uh horror movie franchises you there's a certain expectation hey you know yeah. is there going to be sequel i don't have you know an insider or anything that i don't think that Todd is planning or was planning um on the sequel um 
I hope but some of his other projects. He's not ruling it out. Yeah, I know he yeah, has yeah. something in pre-production now, yeah. according to IMDb. Um, and this yeah. movie, he completed this movie like six years ago, so it's yep. been a it's been a couple of years. But this is also his biggest film to date. It looked like he had a couple other, or at least one. He had one movie before this, I think, and mm-hmm. then one after, if I'm remembering correctly, that he's working on mm-hmm. this in pre-production. Yep. Um. And I, I think that that end scene was a reverse on trope because there's always yeah, a no, good point. final confrontation. Uh, the final girl confronts the killer or killers, you know, um, in the case of some of the other movies. And yeah. there's a showdown. And in, and in this extent, I mean, there were plenty of like fights, you know. There was plenty. <laughs> no, I but, was uh, on board with subverting our expectations on yeah. that. I also wanted to say, like, even early on with horror movies, even, like, I I wouldn't call Halloween by any stretch, like, the first one, but it was an earlier movie, and they, I mean, Michael got away at the end of that one, even, you know, and I don't know if they had planned on doing sequels at that point yet, and there wasn't all these, uh, as far as I know, there wasn't, like, a ton of sequels back then, and they still set it up and established that trope back then. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think Halloween was supposed to have sequel. I think originally the Halloween was supposed to be each movie was its own separate tale. Oh, like an and, anthology. Yeah, and uh, I think that because the first Halloween uh, that Mustafa Kod produced, I believe he's a producer on that, uh, it was so successful. And, and it was a front runner. This, you know, uh, Halloween was the movie Absolutely. that came out before there was any of these kind of tropes. And yeah. it was so successful that I think the second movie, let, let's just do a continuation. And it worked. That sequel definitely worked. I mean, you talk about Gothic horror, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis has a broken yeah. ankle and she's not physically like, you know, she's not like Sigourney Weaver and alien, you know, she's not a no, physical, no. like, you know, specimen in that way. Um, and, uh, and and then you see in the third Halloween, you know, they did. They're like, OK, we're going to take this in it, you know, like we want it previously intended to. And Halloween three was his own tale and it flopped. And they're like, OK, this may not be successful. So. Right. <clears throat> and they've and but it's still working as far as like horror movies and doing sequels, though. I mean, there's didn't they just remake or do a another sequel to halloween is that what you were talking about or because there's like there was like we have this thing now it's been so long oh, yeah the whole sequel thing that not only do we have sequels we have oh forget about those sequels now we're gonna do this requel redo like, we're gonna mm-hmm. like forget about the sequels and then like say that it cut off after the second one and then picks up here or whatever that's like a new thing yeah like halloween h2o where they were like okay this takes place 20 years later but it's after the second halloween none of the other halloweens four five six matter yep that type of thing and it does get confusing um like terminator yeah terminator did did that too yeah the halloween 2 that i was referring to was the original um not rob zombies halloween 2 yeah with uh jamie jamie lee curtis and um a beautiful movie, but I, I know we're not here to discuss uh, th- that movie. But it it set yeah, up but this, a lot. There of so many tropes. If if it was yeah, if it was if this movie was based uh, uh, not solely, but I mean, it was based more on Halloween than probably any of the other ones that it uh, that it paid homage to, right? 
Like Halloween yeah. is definitely the closest one of all of them. Yeah, and then in, in that respect as well, um, because I'm really interested in how Devin feels about you know these kind of movies. Uh, Everyone wants I to know how it, Devin reacts to things now. I love it. Well, well, that's the thing. I find it very interesting that that Devin you watched um, Saw one and two that are really really graphic, but had a lot to say in those movies, survival horror wise and that kind of thing, and that you sat through them. And I and I almost like I want to like show you movies, Devin, and see which ones like okay, you really like this one, but you don't. And to be completely frank, I do have a little bit of Schadenfreude, so. <laughs> you, you know you, in a safe environment you what? know Jesus. you know uh because horror movies you know they're not they're not reality but uh you know see which ones shake and see which ones don't <laughs> yeah i have kind of a morbid curiosity about that too but i will say that none of the ones i've chosen were on purpose to make you feel uncomfortable Devin. uh even though it might have yeah. that way um yeah but um it made me curious after the fact especially with under the skin i was like oh yeah Devin's gonna hate this um but i was still curious about what you thought you know so there's that aspect um but yeah not not on purpose um so uh anything anything else you guys want to oh devin's got a retort great okay I, I was just gonna mention about saw i think that the the thing with saw for me is like if you remove all the gore from it, like, like say you recut saw mm -hmm. and you have the camera just pan away every time there's gore, just the camera pans to a wall. Mm -hmm. What you're left with is still a very compelling movie about like the criminal mind gotcha. and like, you know, this, this like absolute maniac who's doing these, these crazy things. And it's still like compelling to watch. I think that if this, this movie we watched today, if you panned away from all the gore, there would just be nothing left. <laughs> like there'd be no movie anymore. Um, and you would just have like really cheesy uh, scenes with teenage girls talking. And it got, uh, and that's the defining difference. It got a TVMA rating, but uh, if you had a TV edit of this, I think you're right. It would, the movie would then be about 30 minutes less at least <laughs> if we're being fair. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. There wouldn't be much. Left. I feel yeah, like you can right. recut this into a, into a, like a Hallmark movie. Christmas Hallmark movie pretty easily. Maybe. maybe. Uh, I want to see that fan edit. Yeah, man. You just have you just have the girl and Cody get back together at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you could just even do... solve that with uh, on-screen text at the end. Yeah. Call, call me Hallmark. I I got. I I'll do it. Yeah. Right. Or or maybe a <laughs> Lifetime movie, right? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Throw it on the lifetime and or hallmark. We, you could have you could have that that uh, that like raunchy grandma gives some some sage advice every once in a while to to Rachel. And, yeah, <laughs> sure, man, this is this... do a voice a uh, uh, voiceover dialogue thing whenever she curses. Maybe yeah, just uh, ADR, ADR it in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you could. This is this, my mom would love this movie. <laughs> yeah, my wife. Yeah. Would, my wife yeah. would watch it with your mom. Uh, and they would, they'd give it an A plus plus. Um, yeah, I hate to, my mom uh, would watch it with both of you guys. There you go. Yeah, that has this audience. One of my uh, mentors from film school is a, a lifetime movie director, and and my wife already knew his work before I came home and told her, and had already seen all of it. And we had watched. We still watch his new movies. He'll he'll be like, hey, I got a new one coming out. Check it out. And the, and he has uh, he's one of the better ones. Uh, he always does the uh, thriller ones, so it's the most Hitchcockian of the Lifetime movies, right? 
Um, so they're actually kind of <laughs> enjoyable. In that oh, sense. Jesus. What could yeah, that, still, what could still, that movie possibly grown. be like? The Hitchcock, um, he's know, the Hitchcock like, uh, of just, Hallmark. The film. evil boyfriend, the evil doctor, the evil uh, spurned female lover. These are themes that he revisits. There was a teen heist film that was one of the ones um, that, but just did you say Lifetime or Hallmark? Lifetime, not Hallmark. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. That makes a little bit more he sense. He does almost exclusively Lifetime movies. Um, and uh, his are some of the better ones. And I have actually was. He was kind enough to let me come on the set to a couple of them, and and just I kind of absorbed what was there, and it was it was neat because uh, there's a lot of like action and violence and such kind of kind of like this, but you know made for TV. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not to wrap it up on that, but uh, um, we should probably cap it off with any final thoughts or whatever. I mean, I hate to cut this off um, because I feel like I could just keep uh, going and going, but. Um, <laughs> tap in <laughs> <laughs> snare drum um yeah but any final thoughts on this one before we move into our commercial break we should all go uh we should all go see the sequel except for i understand if devin doesn't want to go but if he does one we'll go, we'll go crash it maybe this is one of the ones we'll we'll do live or something what would the what would the sequel be called? What would it it would be like all oh, through the house to uh the second choppening or something like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something there's some kind of funny yet still on point title there, I think. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> write in, listeners, and tell us your yeah, suggested right? titles for <laughs> Yeah, all through the house wanna, too. There we go. Because I'm coming up short. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking like more all through that, all through the bigger house. I don't know. All or all or through the house. Uh, what was you the change your house Ty- Tyler Perry's else, right? Big Mama's All Through the House? <laughs> right there, you go. Get Tyler Perry on board. That's it. We got to put these guys together. We're this is cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Any any final do... thoughts, Jim? Uh, Oh, go ahead, Devin. I was just reading the lyrics to the to, to the like rhyme, and the the last line is "To all a good night." That could be a good sequel. You could use a different a different yeah. excerpt from the song. Yeah, sure. Time. Yeah, together. that would work. There you go. But Jim, since you uh, had the inside track on this, I'll give you the final word. Uh, any final thoughts on it, or anything you want to express, or uh, shout out, or anything like that? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. No, I I really. Um... I really appreciate you guys, you, you know, uh, and being able to, sh- uh, share, you know, the experience. Cause when I first seen this, you know, I had a really good time and there was no expectations. Like y'all have to have, a, you know, you know, and not sure. all of this, not all of us are horror movie enthusiasts, you know, no. but, uh, I, I wanted to show you, you know, uh, someone's work, you know, that, you know, I, I know in, in real life. And, um, someone who like you like you ben is very passionate um about film you you know just yeah well you know i because he had he was already away when i became friends you know with my friend in high school but my friend and his younger brother would constantly talk about their older brother and even in high when he was in high school the older brother was in high school he was doing home movies 
and he oh, would yeah. cast you know his family you know in them and, and that type type of thing much like some people you know uh do uh, Dungeons and Dragons and things of imagination, you know, at a much early age before they even know of the game, that type of thing. And so that yeah. just that love of an art form, you, you know, and having your passion realized after years of effort and thought, you, you know, and practice, you know, uh, yeah. that just whatever it is, whether it's writing, you, you know, it's just a it's it's exciting you know yeah, it's exciting to see it, that's so totally valid and that's neat that we got to see something that you kind of had an, an insight like that on and some experience and it is fun to mm -hmm. be on set or have seen or known the people working on something and then see what the result is and i think in this case yeah. um he did a certainly above average job on it and uh, i believe um that he he elevated this beyond what i expected um you know um just looking yeah. prejudging from like the production value and stuff i wasn't expecting the twists and turns in the story but he really knows the genre clearly mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's 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 neat and uh you you know you do see like okay he has two credits there but what you don't see is all those years of filmmaking that led up to that it's like yeah after you know 30 years he's an overnight success or whatever because he made yeah. a film or whatever but that's just that's how it is typically you know there's yeah, probably 100 the, works before that. Yeah, there's a quote that says, you know, it took me 10 years to be an overnight success, you know. And and that seems to be the general number that people go to if they don't go to you have to do something 10,000 times before you, you know, can yep. become an expert in it. It's either time yeah. or that effort. So Yeah, and with film you kind of have to almost learn on the job with shorter things like that or just at least like by being passionate and going out and grabbing your family to be in things and whatnot and just kind of learning all that mm -hmm. stuff and it's with film there's so many moving pieces and it's so expensive that it's a really hard medium to get involved with at all and so any success by any peers or locals like this is always uh inspiration to myself um especially trying to get up and running my first feature as well so uh, definitely been yeah, Definitely. so it was neat in that way. So thank you for that, Jim. But uh, well, so before we tally up our grades, uh, we have time for a commercial break. And now a word from our sponsors. Have you been cooped up for COVID lockdown and grew a couple of inches too long? Don't want to scare the normies when you go out in public again? Well, come see us at Just a Little Off the Top Salon. Our stylist will snip you into shape. Just imagine our razor-sharp shears cutting off those extra inches. One quick chop and you'll be on your way feeling lighter than ever. Why, it's as easy as removing a nasty wart. Getting hot? We'll cut it extra short for summer. Book now to catch our Christmas in July special, All Cuts Half Off. Just a little <laughs> off the top is a subjective term. Results may vary and will likely be more than you bargained for. Side effects include bad mascitis, playing with creepy mannequins, and reliving youth trauma in a series of melodramatic flashbacks. Just a little off the top salon. We don't make mistakes. It's always intentional. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right, folks. Oh, I dream. Yeah, I dream. Right. 
It's time for all the co-hosts to submit our final grade. And kind of like I indicated before, I'm kind of grading this on a curve and comparing it to other indie horror films that I've seen on Amazon. Um, so based on that curve, uh, I felt this film was above average. I'm going to give it a B. Um, it was a jolly old romp with a couple of lumps of coal, but overall, still a gift. Uh, Kat, where did you land on uh, on All Through the House? Um, so I definitely understand the circumstances it was shot at. I appreciate for what, you know, the budget, everything, um, and for being an indie film. Um, but I, I personally don't feel like it'd be fair to grade it based off of it being an indie film. I think, you know, just because we've all submitted movies, um, they all need to be fairly graded. Personally, that's how I feel about it. So for me, if I'm comparing it to the other movies we have submitted in this um, season, then I'd have to give it a D just for, mm -hmm. you know, it's not the same level. But I totally understand where, obviously, that if it's being critiqued in a festival with other indie films, that, of course, that standard would be different. So. Yep. And that's fair, too. Devin, you didn't finish this one, so I'm thinking yeah. A+. Plus. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, short little film. Yeah, got, got in, got out quick. No, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what Kat is saying, that we have to kind of hold these up to the standards that we've established in the show so far. And I, you know, while I have not dabbled into indie horror much, I've seen lots of indie films. I've seen, I've seen other films on similar budgets to this. And... Uh, None have put me off as much as this one, and, and many of them were, uh, I feel like, better produced personally. So this is going to be, yeah. and honestly, I do feel bad about uh, Under the Skin now, because if I had known we were going to watch this film, I think I would have written <laughs> Under the Skin a little higher. So I apologize, Ben, but this will be my second half <laughs> okay. of the season. Again, the grades are just kind of a fun thing to do. But, um, yeah, I take your point on, if I was grading it not on a curve, it would have garnered a much lower grade for me probably like a C minus or something like that. But um, I'm going to go with the B because, w and I'm not only grading it on a curve of just indie flicks, but specifically the indie horror flicks that I have watched on Amazon Prime. And the reason why I've watched so many lately is because I'm writing a horror movie. So I've had to do my research like, okay, what are the other movies in this uh, budget doing, right? And so for me, this was one of the better ones, more, more well-written and got a little, squeezed out a little better production value. Um, but yeah, that said, uh, James Pepe, what are you, what are you going to grade uh, all through the house? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm really, I'm sympathetic to this film in a lot of ways. Um, and I did have some fun watching it. Um, but I think for me that this was like a middle of the bell curve movie, which for me is not a great thing to be. Um, mm -hmm. I think it didn't it didn't reach those like high heights that these indie horror movies sometimes can't or sometimes can, but it also didn't get into the like good, bad, like the low lows that sort of make a movie entertaining yes. in a certain way as well. in the sort of like Neil Breen kind of way. Um, and so, yeah, this just ended up being kind of a middle of the road movie for me. Um, so I'm going to give it a C. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree with that. And uh, Jim, who was there for the actual thing, how um, that's got to inform you in some way. Yeah, definitely there is a bias, and I'll speak plainly on it. So, you know, originally I was thinking along the lines very similarly to you, Ben, where 
um are we judging this across all like like if this was a classroom right this would be a certain subject so should i judge it according to its peers in that subject or judge it according to the peers across the board and uh that that i i didn't even think along those lines um you cat and devin have got like yeah how what should be the standard um so that's an interesting question uh thank you for you know bringing that up i think that i will judge it similarly to you ben just looking at across the aisle at other uh low budget you know b horror movies um did it stand out on its own merits and was it more significant i feel like it was but again there is definitely bias there you know i definitely want to enjoy it but i did enjoy this movie um both of the festival yeah. and now so i'm gonna give it a, a b plus cool yeah and i again it it surpassed my expectations <clears throat> both in writing and in acting not across the board but with the main uh supporting actress she was i thought she was wonderful and would do well in higher production stuff too mm -hmm. and um uh, comparing it to others in the genre yeah because i've seen there's some pretty like i don't know how many of these types of movies you guys have seen but this really does exceed a lot of what's on amazon yes. prime feel free to poke around and Definitely. a lot of them like jim was saying earlier like it's like handheld shots that aren't lit correctly and the sounds crap and it's like wow amazon's just buying anything but this was not one of those this was like this guy at least knows what he's doing and did well for the constraints that he was up against so well done overall but what does that leave us with our final gpa <laughs> uh congratulations jim you have passed the lowest passing score of a c minus uh 1.86 i'll get you next time jim Woo! <laughs> give, give me my diploma right <laughs> he gets the degree yeah d's for diploma baby <laughs> god is that true in college can you get a diploma just getting a d throughout oh my god not not at the jc at I... least he is not a passing okay, grade good. at the jc okay, and that's good. most yeah most majors i think each major does can say it's either a c or d but most majors i know it's like c and above and like my school we had c minuses too so c minus wouldn't even cut it you'd have to have a c and above yeah so. and if you're getting a degree off of getting a bunch of c's what are you doing you're not in the right hey, man yeah. They don't put that GPA on that piece of paper. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. I don't Seas know. Get unless you unless you're like the like a laureate or something. Or uh get a you know Yeah, right. One yeah. of those Greek named what are they? Uh cum laude. Yeah, yeah, the cum laudes. Unless you're a cum laude, then it's all over it. Okay, well, um, here's where we're going to roll for the next episode um now as a reminder this is the series finale so we're kicking off our submissions for the next series with the series theme is black and white films so i believe jim is going to roll for us today a d10 because there's five selections to go from uh, so prep that and i'll get the dice ready uh, or the uh drum 
sound effect ready for you. Jim, make sure that make sure there's not a bunch of severed dicks in that bag and one vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's it's Schrodinger's make... dick bag. Yeah, I'll right. make my crude. <laughs> I'll make my bag almost empty. I mean it is it dude. <laughs> technically technically it is it is <laughs> Look, it's a bag full of D's. It's a bag full of D's. Oh, that's true. D's of all different shapes and sizes. There you go. That's colors. the TV version of that joke. Yeah. Now, now TV, you're speaking version. my language. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you ready? Here's your drum roll. We have a two, which... Uh, five selections would be a one. Is that how we're doing it? Okay. Yeah, one, yeah, two, is one, in... three, and four is two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and yeah. Just yeah. For the okay, audi- good. good to understand. Just... Yeah, no, I didn't even get it. Yep. Okay, yeah, so just for the audience. Yeah. Uh, just for the audience, I'm rolling a D10. It's a gamer dice, not a six-sided dice. So, um, each two numbers would signify one, two, three, four, five, etc. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately, your host sucks at basic math. So, um, okay, so thank you for telling me before I announced the wrong thing. <laughs> what we are watching is a movie called 12 Angry Men, 1957, streaming on a thing called TV Time. Uh, so I'll leave that to you to look up. Uh, it's a lesser-known streaming platform, I'm sure, that runs probably older movies, TV Time. It sounds like kind of a Nick at Night type of name or something. Mm-hmm. 12 Angry Men will kick off our next series, which won't start next week, but the week following, because we're doing the, the week off there between series. Serieses? Uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, so actually now we it's time to do our award for the Dundee and present the new Dundee Award to this uh, series winner. Welcome to the second Who Dundee Awards, where we present the winner of this series Who Done It competition with their trophy. And the co-hosts are booing and jeering. Uh, I, you know, my, I don't know why big, because I haven't got the envelope yet. So <laughs> my big my big shepherd's hook didn't come from Amazon yeah. yet. <laughs> well, they chopped a couple of inches off. To be fair, so. yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't quite reach. <laughs> but may I have the envelope, please? And the winner is, and still reigning champion, Devin Schwartz. Ooh. Don't all applaud at once. <laughs> um, so this he will be your watch the last Houdini. movie. He's getting an award. Well, he's he's guessing it right where it counts. Um, so <laughs> that's a a, a good uh, motivation for us to he's... be better. <laughs> He's <laughs> like he's like the kid at the end of the the year who has a grade so good that he doesn't have to take the final. Oh yep. my god, that's perfect! I love that analogy. In yeah, other words, perfect. a big jerk. <laughs> <laughs> You're messing up the curve for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So here is your second uh, Dundee Award, Devin. Enjoy. You earned it. 
Good job. Oh man. Oh, thank you. You, guys, you guys really pulled that one off. That looked good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this one, Ben, I'm not sure how to take this. Uh, I might have to call HR, but it does say hottest in the office. Uh, so yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, right. thank you so much. I gotta, I got so many people to thank once again. I gotta uh, thank my cat. She's right below my desk right now. I, I don't have a hand for you. I would, I would show her to you guys, but uh, you know, I gotta thank my mailman, uh, Todd. You know, great guy. Um, gotta thank uh, uh, Ben for picking such a gym movie. And it's the, literally the reason I won <laughs> is that I was the only one who was able to guess that you uh, submitted that under the skin. Hey. And uh, yeah, just uh, keep being incredibly predictable, everyone. And we'll just, I'll just keep collecting, collecting these. I'll have a whole time. Oh, oh, Jesus. Get yes. them, guys. Okay, it's on. Series three, The Fall from of now, Devin. From now on, only oh, movies me. that have explicit gore so that Devin can't guess them. Oh, okay, there we go. Yep. We'll somehow fit all those in. Was yeah. Chainsaw Massacre uh, black and white? Um, now I'm rethinking no. everything. We can do um, all. Okay. We can do all the hostile movies, all the human centipede movies. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good. See, we'll just refer to uh, Pepe on this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start referring to Devin as Ryan now for the next uh, series. <laughs> Hottest in the office. What's the, what, I forget the song he's singing. You sexy thing. <laughs> you sexy oh, yeah. thing. You. <laughs> well that was a bit of fun I, I, so two-time award winner congratulations cat right I on this am interested oh that was jim, I, jim I right am on interested, it, i'm interested to see how well um you fare Devin, with this black and white series that we got coming up i think that'll be i feel like it'll be more challenging to detect i like yeah, that we're I making agree. predictions now yeah 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 right did anyone have uh, well, not to say can... what they are but Go ahead. I was just going to say, we can make bets right now on who we think is going to win. Yeah, I like Ooh. the prediction aspect. I don't, I don't know if you have a bet in mind or whatever, or even like uh, next show before we kick it off. But without, uh, I'm curious though, without revealing your selection, was this difficult to choose a film? Because it was in black and white. And it, that typically means, uh, typically it means a little longer in the past. Well, yeah. I think. Sorry. I just was going to say, I found it kind of disappointing, really, that so many of these films are kind of like lost in, in the streaming wars and, and sort of hard to find now without buying them outright. Um, yeah, it's really just sad that there isn't sort of a centralized place for these classic films. And most of them are classic, not that all black and white films are classic films, but many of them are. And uh, it's no, sad many that, are. Yeah, it's sad they've yeah, been so poorly preserved in the digital age. Yeah, that's that's true. And it seems like there's these like niche kind of third tier streaming platforms that kind of collect them up with a, at a cheap price and put them out there. But certainly if you had one in mind, it's going to be probably harder to find it uh, streaming readily. So, Kat, what about you? You had something to say. I was just going to say that um, I just if I knew that we were going to do a black and white season, then um, I feel like both me and maybe uh, Pepe would have not chosen the movies we had chosen for the past two seasons because mm, he chose The right? Lighthouse and I chose, chose uh, Mary and uh, Marie and uh, Malcolm. So they're both black and white films that are, you know, modern films too. So. Yeah, you burned through those modern black and whites. So I'm curious to see if we'll have any modern black and white movies on the next series or not. But uh, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, if you think of a good bet, chime in though, uh, uh, James. Uh, but uh, let's just go through real quick. I'll say again, 
Uh, no show next week, um, but the following week we'll kick off Series 3. Uh, fan emails, you can write to ben at redhenmedia.com, and we may respond on the show. Um, and I think that about wraps things up, guys. Just one more thing. Oh, I did it backwards. Hang on. I think... He's just yelling Matt. at us now. I know. <laughs> He's like not even... Ah. He's yeah, already he, inside the house. Yeah, right. right. He's, he, out. he's gotten to the point in the relationship where he's a little too familiar. <laughs> it's like, dude, still ring the bell, okay? I should get it like a cutout that I just like, raise up from off <laughs> yeah, camera, you know? Right. Ah. Yeah, pre- pretty soon he's going to scream out, Marie! Marie! <laughs> uh, oh, I'm definitely, I'm going to get to work on that. Uh, oh, yeah, dude, so- if you made a super cut of that, I would be so happy. I might, I might. That sounded that sounded like a good idea. Yeah, you you brought that up before, um, and I might even uh, transition into uh, a streetcar named Desire at some point. Just kind of bounce <laughs> back and forth between the two of them. Um, yeah. So Lieutenant Columbus says we have time for just one more thing, where each co-host shares a Twitter-length post of something they want to mention from outside the show. Again, we'll uh, we'll kick it off with you again, Kat. Um, so this is a rant uh, that I kind of saved because last time we kind of uh, were going over time. But um, so it's I'm going to try to keep it short. But um, I've I've recently really disliked serial killer podcasts. And I and I'm sorry if this offends anyone who does listen to serial killer podcasts. But um, I I just think it's like. People who tend to be really into it are obviously usually into like kind of gory stuff and that's totally fine. But it's the fact that it's based off of like real things that I feel like it's such a disservice to like the victims of the families and to also have like co-hosts that like make puns and, and jokes about like these killings and stuff, which usually I would find, you know, humorous and I would laugh at. But in the context of something that's actually happened, I I just have an issue kind of it feels like a glorification of violence you know real real life violence that I I am like I don't know that we in 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 the media and also like specifically in America and really need to start asking ourselves you know when we are part of any sort of conversation that includes violence um or that showcases that like I think we need to be a little bit more thoughtful and critical on whether or not you know, it's something that is really worth worth showing and and looking at the consequences of showing any sort of violence. So, Especially like um, real violence, right? Yeah, exactly. Like if it's it real was fiction and families and right. And if yeah, because if it's fiction, like I mean, you know, I know there's crime podcasts that are just totally fictional and stuff like that. Um, so I'm not talking about those. Um, but. Yeah, when it's it's nonfiction, when it's real real stories, I think that that's when we really have to. And of course, this is more my journalistic self sense uh, or self, you know, just wanting to ask these more ethical questions of where we yeah. we as a media creators and storytellers how we play a role into because sometimes further perpetrating that violence in our culture. So, anyways, or or at least making light of it. No, that's that's a good point. Is there a specific one that you want to call out that was like push it over the line for you, or is it just in general? Um, no, it's it, I don't have any specific. It's more because okay. I have friends who listen to them, and like sometimes yeah, they'll just yeah. casually put it on, and I'm just like I I got to zone out because I Me, I can't listen yeah. to this. Yeah, yeah, I do like 
true crime, but I'm not. I what you're describing sounds more uh, exploitative uh, than. Yeah, more like serial kind of killers who do very grotesque things to victims. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe not the best to enjoy it in the same way you would, might enjoy a slasher film that's more kind of over the top and uh, cartoony and such. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Uh, rant accepted. Rant approved. I should get a rant stamp. Um, so, uh, Devin, what have you got for us this week on just one more thing? Uh, so I have for you a serial killer podcast I've been listening to. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, uh, uh, it is a podcast. It is called um, Wastelanders, Old Man Star-Lord. It's a Marvel uh, Comics podcast. I believe the first of its kind. I have not heard of another Marvel comic uh, podcast. This is this is uh, a, a radio drama. It is it is a, a Marvel story oh, being told through a podcast. Uh, nice. Yeah, and... Uh, it stars it's it's basically just um peter quill and rocket uh those characters played by uh rocket is played by chris elliott uh who is known for uh he was on schitt's creek um i'm trying to find the name of the character he was mickey on how i met your mother he's been in a lot of stuff he was in scary movie 2 he was the guy with the like claw hand in scary movie 2 oh chris uh, he's like, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. character he's yeah, a comedian yeah. he's very rarely front center stage yeah yeah very good comic actor um, yeah, he does a great, great job on the podcast. And then uh, the other guy who plays Star-Lord is Timothy Busfield, who uh, the only movie I know him from is he was Point Dexter in Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> and I don't recognize him in anything else, but I uh, I remember Point Dexter from Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, mostly Point a Dexter. TV actor. Wow, he's still like, acting? But... That's great. That's interesting yeah, choice. Also... But, you know, with voice acting, if they're good, they're good, and they can do any character, so. Uh, there was another big name attached, but this uh, list is not. Uh, well, can I say the, the I know I remember. That's okay. I remember Chris Elliott uh, from uh, "There's Something About Mary." He was the woogie character that uh, yes. that loved Mary and stole her shoes at the end, or whatever. That was like kind of the bro in the beginning, and then kind of devolved into the face scratching lunatic by the end. But he's done a lot of stuff over the years. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. Um, I I've seen a couple of DC radio plays that were released as audiobooks or audio plays, but not as a podcast. That's that's interesting. I like that. What's it called again? Yeah, Wastelanders, Old Man, Star Lord, uh, and okay. uh, it does a really good job. I, I haven't listened to a lot of narrative podcasts that aren't through the realm of of a role playing game. So there's like a a clear narrator obviously because the, the the dungeon master the, the game master is is sort of narrating the story and the way they kind of circumvent that is they tend to sort of i don't you know don't spoil anything obviously but they kind of do time jumps between the episodes where it's like you know one episode takes place at a time and then like the next episode's a week later and some character doesn't know what's going on either it's a new character has been introduced or one of the characters was incapacitated or separated and they have to explain the story and so it's them right. telling the story and then some reenactment and then some things happen to them and uh, there's really great Foley work. It's very well produced, like anything Marvel does. It has an incredible production value. Yeah, it better so be. They have a huge Foley team, so there's like epic space battles and, and ships crashing going on, and it all sounds totally uh, real, like it could be something from I the movie. I imagine if you have the Marvel Disney money hose, you'd better have a high production value by the end of that. Exactly, and it just started, sounds, sounds so great. there's uh, yeah, it's easy to catch up and uh, start listening. Wastelanders, so Old Man Star board, Lookers. I think great, we did a, awesome I think one. we did a Wolverine one before that one. Oh, maybe, yeah, I did see that kind of referenced, I think. Was um, that after Disney bought Fox, though? 
because that would have been the Fox uh, arena or umbrella. I don't remember. I don't know. I just I remember it being branded as Marvel's Wolverine. Oh, well, you know, Fox didn't own all the rights to Wolverine. They just owned the movie rights, so it probably was still a Marvel thing then. Hell, they even have different rights for, to dive a little bit deeper into this, they even have different rights for um, uh, amusement park themes. Those are separate rights. <laughs> so a lot of them are, yeah, right? It's weird. You can sign off those separately. So that's where you can get, like, you know, uh, uh, a Twilight Zone ride at Disney for a while. They had that there, right? But uh, CBS owned them, and they Disney can't doesn't have the rights to it elsewhere kind of thing. And there's a lot of examples of hmm. that. But yeah. Entertainment law is a thing. Uh, cool. So uh, I almost skipped Pepe. Uh, James Pepe, what's your just one more thing this week? Because you talked and that was like, yeah, so I'm going to off um, my mind. <laughs> so I recently got access to Disney Plus. So I just started watching um, The Mandalorian. And oh, okay. I'm going to, that shit doesn't need like me shouting it out, right? But, um, like, I'm going to put fucking The Mandalorian on the map. Um, but I want to just talk about it a little bit because um, it looks like that they finally figured out that they need people who, like, know what the fuck Star Wars is to make a Star Wars thing. Um, and I feel like that's, yes. like, a, occurring in this show, that there are people who understand what Star Wars is better now than, the than like, the people who have their hands on it now. Far along, how far along are you? Um, well, I think I'm in the middle of the third episode. Okay, so you're still, yeah, okay. Yeah, but that's early enough to notice quite a difference. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah I I'll mean, I'll be curious like, to um, check in with you again I, once you've I, caught up, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, it made me so happy to see, um, uh, shit, and I don't remember his name, uh, the little, like, ha 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 guy that lives in, like, in Jabba's, like, folds. Yeah, he yeah, has a name. rat-like um, creature or whatever, yeah. Yeah, like, there was just one of those guys, and it was, like, so obviously a puppet that they just put it in a cage. And it had like eyes that were just like glued to its face and they didn't move. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, look at that. It's a perfectly good Muppet creature. It looks great. It doesn't look terrible because it's not like an animated CGI thing. Right. They didn't uh, have yeah. to do a it's CGI a... triple flip into the foreground or something. Yeah. The species is a Kowakian monkey lizard. And the, the one that lived with Jabba is named Salacious Crumb. Salacious crumb, oh, that's yes. Great. Yeah. They're actually yeah, good yeah, eating yeah. if you ever come across one. They're delicious. Yeah. They're considered a delicacy. <laughs> well, you know, you can find <laughs> them in, in those in those jizz whaler fucking clubs. I can't <laughs> fucking George is. Lucas dude. And and uh, uh, may I uh what are, what are we the, gonna uh, call them? Jizz whalers. Oh yeah. There's tons of that. Uh, what Yoda makes uh in uh Empire Strikes Back is called root leaf. So there there's mine. <laughs> I could go for some um, root leaf right now, just the way uh, Yoda used to make it. 
But uh, about the show as a whole, what I was going to say was that uh, I feel like John uh, Devin, Favreau. This is, this is oh, my sorry. one more thing. Would you come on? Sorry. Come I thought we were done. Okay, so go ahead. Jeez. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was glad to see John Favreau was attached to it. Um, I was I was super happy to Johnny see. Johnny um, nobody calls him that. I, I was super happy to see Brian Posehn as like the fucking like taxi driver in the first episode. Um, yeah, just I was happy to see that stuff. Um, what, it's a stellar cast, say, and as they as they unfold yeah. it real quick, as they unfold it, the cast is just continues to be great. Go ahead, Devin. Um, I was going to say, John Favreau does tend to bring a level of like fanaticism to his work. Like when he made Iron Man, it's like this guy loves Iron Man. Like whoever's making this yeah. film, you can just tell like loves this character. And like yeah. he brings that to Mandalorian as well. It's like obviously he is a fan. Everything he does feels right. Have you guys seen the chef show or his, or his movie Chef? I've seen the movie. Like, I haven't seen yeah. the show, but the movie was excellent. His cooking show is wonderful. It is so and good. Gets, you have seen it, Kat. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's great. I've made some of the recipes on there, and they're wonderful, uh, and it's fun. And he does it. You can tell he loves what he's doing. And um, so, yeah, he's thank uh, thank the maker to quote uh, C three PO. Oh, I was also um, so happy to see Werner Herzog, who I can't imagine gives two shits about anything that happens in Star Wars, and probably doesn't know mm -hmm. what the fuck's going yeah. on. I was so happy to see him. I love him. Yeah, I was just, it was, I was so happy He's to great. see. Uh, yeah. And that guy that like teaches uh, the Mandalorian how to ride that like fish beast thing, like how his like mouth and face prosthetics were that they were just that. It was just yeah. like prosthetics. Everyone um, yeah. has probably seen this but you. So we're all just like, yay. <laughs> You're like going through it. So again, yeah, yeah, when you, yeah. Can you catch up? I want to know more. And and I, I'll, I'll follow up uh, with your, uh, your suggestion for Adventure Time, I have been watching that. I mentioned that before the show. Uh, episode, I'm up to episode six and thoroughly enjoying it, so thank you for that one. Oh, man, I have such a huge love for Adventure Time. <laughs> I see why. I see why. And, uh, yeah. It's it only gets stuff. better. It only gets better. It has, and it has been getting better and better. Yeah, the first episode was okay, and they were just finding their footing. Uh, it wasn't terrible. And it has gotten better and better, and I'm sure it continues on that path. It reminds me of, like, if they took like a, a PBS kids cartoon and then made it like funny and kind of where the humor would play to adults and kids at the same time. Yeah. And it's got a bunch of D and D stuff in it too, which totally, will, if you haven't seen it already, you will come to see it. Yeah. Totally loving that aspect. And the characters are very strong. They did a good job of capturing the kind of youthful yeah. take that he has. John DiMaggio is so good at being Jake. Oh man. He's so good. <laughs> So I'm not familiar with him. Is he? He's not a kid. Uh, uh, no, John DiMaggio is the also the voice of Bender. So he also, but he also voices oh, oh, Jake. Jake the dog. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Oh, I don't know why I didn't put that. Yeah, I loved his voice. I was like, man, this guy's good. He's Bender, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's Great. Bender. Yeah, it's you. so funny to see him in such a different role. <laughs> yeah, and equally is is fantastic. It's so much fun. Um, I just watched that episode with a little. <laughs> cute elephant that kept getting in trouble it's just such a good well oh uh, funny... tree trunks tree trunks yeah the little yellow elephant that makes pies yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 wonderful and her, so anyway thank you for like that a... recommendation very yeah, yeah. Very i could talk about there. i could do i could fucking talk about eventually so i'll, shut I'll up check back it, in but... once i get further along with that one too but last but certainly not least uh 
Gentleman Jim Scott, what have you got for us this week on Just One More Thing? Um, yeah. <clears throat> so this week I have a book. Um, I definitely um, follow Cat. you know, your rant, you know, before about reading more. To read more. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, definitely in, in you know, in, in, well, in a point where we are so media saturated that the biggest and sometimes uh, uh, anxiety provoking choices, which media do I engage in at this point? You know, yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, try to be very conscious of that, you, you, you know, and because uh, it can definitely uh, run away with you, you know, um, but it's yeah, run away the with book, the whole world right now. Right. I would argue. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and increase our, our our need to be entertained at all points in time, regardless of yeah. whether you're in line or. But anyways, that's that's a whole separate thing. So the book that I that I have been reading is The Lies of Locke Lamora. It is by uh, Scott Lynch. Um, and it details, well, this is the, the first book. So it details the rise of this group of rogues called the Gentlemen Bastards. Um, and uh, it's set in a fictional uh, world and city, but this fictional city has a lot of nods to uh, Venice um, during kind of like more, maybe more Renaissance times. And it has, uh, I mean, there, there's so much larceny going on in this city uh, and everybody seems to be in on it on some form and some level, uh, which I find really interesting. Um, it does kind of take the unlikely hero trope but they're not it's not like in the hobbit where they're going on this sojourn you know to uh mountain doom or whatever uh that a lot of like fantasy kind of takes so it's really interesting highly recommend it hopefully i did justice in describing it so the the name one more time it is called the lies of Locke lamora great and it is by the author Scott Lynch. Wonderful. Thank you. And on that point, I will do my just one more thing. I also uh, took uh, cast advice and started a, let me talk into the mic so you can hear. Um, you're not going to be able to see this on this camera, so let me cut to the other camera. You might be able to see this. Uh, I have a whisper sync book between an audiobook, if you don't know what that is, uh, it goes syncs between an audiobook and what you're reading on like the Kindle. And this story is called The Cycle of Iran. That's probably not going to work. Um, it's, it's a huge epic tale about a kind of a street rat hood and another guy that he hires as a bodyguard after finding an ancient book. And people just start trying to kill him for some reason after he recovers this book. And uh, the magic system in this is one of rediscovery, and it's on the on par with um, the the wheel of time as far as the development and specificity of how things work. So if you like someone, an author who puts a lot of thought into world building and how all this actually works, and how a character might rediscover some ancient knowledge, the cycle of Iran is great. Characters are very, uh, I guess, sassy is one way to put it. 
they hmm. quip each other a lot and it's like enjoyable how they they really like each other but they're just very quippy with each other right um and so i'm on uh i started in the first book and wrapped that up couldn't put it down and now i'm into the second book and and i guess the series is called the cycle of iran and that's in reference to the magic system there so cat you got two of us um <laughs> so well done um with that said i think that about really wraps things up so you most of all and dorothy is oh hold for the phone i gotta turn that spam calling landline off i have it for emergencies right but uh the spam calls i'm just over them uh okay so dorothy is here letting us know it's time to say goodbye and let's start with cat hi uh it's been real all um this is Catherine Ramirez, and you can catch me at um, Instagram at Cat Ramirez with two Z's. Uh, I'll see you all next time. Yeah, and Mr. Devin Schwartz, two-time Dundee Award winner. Uh, yeah, you can. Uh, I'm Devin Schwartz. You can find me at Devin Schwartz One on Twitter. And uh, game over, man. Game over. Yeah, truly. Um, but we'll see you next series, and uh, we're gunning for you now, Mister. And uh, James Pepe. Yeah, I've been James Pepe, and I will see you guys in the next one. Yep, see you next series. And uh, Mr., uh, not Mr., uh, the gentleman, Jim Scott. Yep, I'm Jim Scott, and farewell, friends, and take care. Yeah, I'll miss you guys on the week off, but it'll be nice to refresh, and we'll come back uh, and watch some 12 Angry Men and discuss, right? Yeah. Yeah. So until next time, this has been I'll Look at Yours if you look at mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five star review, dot your I's, cross those T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. And remember to watch 12 Angry Men 1957 now streaming on TV time for next series kickoff show to be in two weeks from now. Until next time, lookers, keep on looking.